0: What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov plasticfree305. Welcome to Afterlives with Kara Cooney, in which we discuss ancient Egyptian history and relevant current events that we think will be of interest to our audience. I am Kara Cooney, and I'm a professor of Egyptology at UCLA. This podcast is separate from my teaching and research roles at UCLA. In recent years, I've become active in communicating with the general public about the history of ancient Egypt through lectures, interviews, social media, books, and guest appearances. This podcast is my opportunity to take the kinds of deep dives into history that are not always possible in academic formats. Hello, everyone. Hi. How are you today? I'm okay. Saturday. It's a beautiful Saturday. The sun came out for the first time in days. It did. I was very happy. Do we have any updates? Um, so the update is I have to finish the Coffins book this summer. Yep. So that's my, that's Which, my big news.
1: By the time this episode airs, hopefully we'll be at least in draft.
0: It's already. September. Yeah, it'll be in a much more locked down manuscript form. It's exciting. And will, she says, confidently have passed peer review. Yes. By that point. I hope. And then we will move on to um, put it into a photo ready format and it will be very exciting.
1: But the one thing we are talking about today that is also in your Coffins book
0: is... Tomb robbery, tomb robbery, dun, 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 dun. and why people did it, and what they got out of these tombs, and what yep. you can re What is a fungible commodity? What is less fungible? All of these things are very interesting to me.
1: Super. I feel
0: like we've covered
1: this topic in so many of our classes because it's so interesting. I think we all are really fascinated by, it, especially the royal caches and how they got from where they were to these places. And we have so much, you know, little pieces of documentation where you can kind of piece together the, uh,
0: the trip. Even, even a lot of the pop cultural mm-hmm.
1: mythologies
0: are based on tomb robbery. The idea that there's booby yes, traps everywhere yes. and that they're, they're creating all kinds of ways to get the robber. And mm-hmm. just the very idea, as we were talking about in that podcast we did for the Indiana Jones thing, that he goes in and, you know, all these darts fly out of yep. him when he steps on a certain stone. That is all anti-tomb robbery or temple robbery. And so these ideas that people... Protecting were, their riches. Were, yes, we're always worried about protecting their riches. And what cool ways did they use to protect their riches? This is something that mm-hmm. continues to um, enamor us. Yeah.
1: But I first want to begin with some... Questions about terminology. Yes. Because, you know, again, maybe a leading question, but is tomb robbery an appropriate term for ancient Egypt? And maybe, you know, it depends
0: on the context, right, in a lot of cases. I don't use it as a rule. I do have to use the phrase tomb robbery papyri. Yes. But by and large, I use the phrase tomb recommodification. Mm -hmm. Because tomb robbery is imposed by a higher level of society, sometimes the state, sometimes state agents. It's hard at a time period of disillusion of the state to actually talk about the state. But when state agents say that people are committing tomb robbery, it's it's kind of funny because we now know that these people are doing exactly what the state agents were doing themselves, mm-hmm. but those state agents had full impunity. One sanction, one's not one sanction was yeah. not. It's the same thing as if um, somebody goes into a shop and they steal um, some baby formula for a hundred dollars because their baby needs it or they can't yeah. get it or whatever. There's that, but then there's the companies that monopolize the baby formula and make it to so the baby formula costs a hundred dollars and that it's, un- it's inaccessible for, mm-hmm. for everybody, inc- but especially poor people, then who's the thief and who- who's the robber mm-hmm. and who's not the robber. And it's the typical, um, you know, Jean Valjean stealing a loaf of bread versus the rich people making the bread unaffordable.
1: Right. Or like we were just talking about rings and diamonds, right? Like the Beers holding back, yeah. Reserves to purposely inflate the cost. Yeah, oh, there's not too many out there, so it you know it makes diamonds more expensive where there actually are a lot of diamonds. They just don't want to flood the market and make them yeah. expensive. That's
0: what monopolization is mm-hmm. of certain commodities like gold, hard stones, precious stones. You make something scarce. You make it inaccessible. You only are the one that gets to control it. And what? this time period, this late Bronze Age collapse Mm -hmm. period that we're dealing with where you're talking about a recommodification of stuff, only a small subset of society is able to take these materials with impunity. They have monopolized the tomb robbery, if you like. Mm -hmm. People that, and again, tomb robbery is a loaded word, but the people who go around it, they're imposed with these monikers of Mm Tomb robber, criminal, yep. all, all these words that we put on people, but the people at the very top are doing the exact same things. Yes.
1: So we do have, I think, examples of tomb robbery in the actual, what the word references of like people breaking into a tomb, yeah. stealing things. That's a, you know, quote-unquote, against the law, yeah. whether or not there was a written law code or something like that yeah. at the time. But we have examples of that happening. of Someone breaking into a tomb, stealing stuff, bad no-no, getting caught and
0: killed. <laughs>
1: but we also have examples of other, I'm describing it, post-depositional interaction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> post-depositional interaction, I love it.
1: As in the most vague, neutral term possible. Right, but other,
0: right.
1: post the tomb being... Filled with its occupant and yeah. its goods. Yeah. And closed. Yeah. We have other interactions. Or right before it's closed. Or maybe right, right before. Right before it's
0: sealed. Because it's usually the people who are doing the sealing that are able to take yes. the last bits in a given tomb.
1: Um, but these type of, okay, so peri or post-depositional peri interaction. Peri-depositional <laughs>
0: interaction.
1: Yeah. Um, occurring that I don't think we can, you know, put the term robbery onto. Right. Um so we can maybe classify these into different subsections. So we have some that are more sanctioned looting or mm-hmm. sanctioned re-commodification, as, mm-hmm. you, as you put it. We have proper robbery, where it's people breaking into a tomb, you know, maybe years later after it's been closed yeah. and, like, properly stealing, looting it. Yeah. Um, I think you could even classify archaeology within this, so yeah. this kind of sanctioned, Destruction and looting of we tombs. go into
0: tombs. We clear them. We put Changing. all of the stuff in a different place, and then we charge money for people to come and yep. and consume it with their eyes. Yep. So we we all we don't call it tomb robbery, but it is essentially the same. I mean, Tut's tomb is no longer actions.
1: the way it was when it yeah, was found. Right? Absolutely, taking no. the stuff out. It's, yeah. but it's for. Education, it's for science or something like this, so it's okay. Preservation it's of the objects. Sec- sanction yeah. in this way. Yes, it is. But is there other, other types of interaction we can think of?
0: Um,
1: I have a couple in mind. I'm thinking of, like, there's the argument that I know you like of yeah. the Ramazid tombs being more accessible. Oh the in it, so that so maybe like, like an people in and out actually, sort of thing or like yeah. people visiting tombs for festivals and having some type of obviously they're not going into the proper
0: like the grave proper mm-hmm. they're in the tomb chapel. So that's um, a, that's a good thing to pick apart first. Yeah. So any tomb complex is going to have well they they usually ha- would have three levels. Yes. And the middle level is the accessible level which is your tomb chapel and it can be a simple marker of some kind out in the landscape mm-hmm. or it could be, be a, a room or a set of rooms that you walk into it could be super fancy with columns and everything so
1: when you go to each today and you go to like a noble's tomb mm-hmm. on the west bank mm-hmm. and i was like east west where, where am i going <laughs> on the west bank land of like, the dead the typical yeah.
0: two you tomb chapel you enter that's that's the accessible bits and then the next part is up above it, the superstructure, which which really only super rich people got, I mean, only rich people got tombs that were marked anyway, but you could put a Pyramidian up there. Stila. You could put um, a, a Stila of some kind. You could put a statue of a guy sometimes holding even a Stila. Um,
1: I'm having just brain fart today. Um, the... The bricks, the cones. Oh, yeah,
0: the funerary cones. Funerary you could cones, put funerary yeah. cones in there and make it an architectural space. Um, you could plaster it. Funerary mm-hmm. cones need plaster or mud to stick into. A lot of um, the the forecourts. The so then there's the superstructure. Superstructure is, superstructure is a pyramid with a pyramiding at the top. Sometimes you'll have, instead of that, you'll have a statue of a dude holding a stela, something like that. Um, I should just put it back. And, um, and then there's the subterranean section of the tomb Mm -hmm. which is where where all the good shit and the body and the stuff yes yeah so when we're talking about tomb robbery or tomb recommodification we're talking about people going into the subterranean burial chamber and opening up sarcophagi nesting coffin sets taking bodies out and what kinds of things would they be looking for they're looking for gold silver copper copper vessels Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm oils that linens. are unguents, nice perfumes, things like that. Yep. Really nice handwoven linens. Obviously yep. they're all handwoven. There's no yep. machine woven in ancient Egypt. So linens, other type of peri or
1: post depositional interaction, it's going to be that's it's going to be in the chapel. Right? They're not going into the
0: burial chamber. No, you in can. In cases. Because you can have a 19th dynasty tomb mm-hmm. that is a sloping passage rather than a shaft mm-hmm. a shaft is filled in with all kinds of dirt and sand and, and other things and it's sealed yeah. and then you're not supposed to go in and out of it but a sloping passage is meant to stay open and you go in and out of your burial chamber your family sepulcher if mm-hmm. you like and you can put in another nesting coffin set after another funeral yeah. and think of it this way you you create that family tomb or maybe the family tomb was created for by your grandfather. And then your grandmother dies and you're going to put grandmother in with grandfather who's already there you do the funeral, you do all of the stuff. You bring the nesting coffin set down into the burial chamber. And while you are there, you're there with like three other guys and you Mm -hmm. put the, the grandma's coffin set in the corner and you're like, you know, she's got this really nice um, amulet on that's worth a lot. Mm -hmm. And we've just activated her. Maybe maybe it's like the beginning of the crisis and you're like, "Mm, I don't know if we should do this yet. You leave grandma there, but you're like, you know, grandfather, we've been praying to him. He's been giving us good stuff. Let's let's go in there and take some stuff from the coffin. So maybe you open that coffin set. Maybe he's got gilded hands and face Mm -hmm. and you remove the gilded hands and face from the inner two pieces and then you leave the outer coffin undisturbed and who's to know that you've ever done that.
1: But I guess... Even with, like, what you're saying, there's still an assumption of, like, you're doing something that's taboo. Yes. But I wonder if there was even just that it was kind of, you know, once a certain amount of time passed, that this stuff was actually just normally up for grabs, like... Nowadays, when your grandparents die and you inherit all this stuff and you have to go through it and, like, you're not obligated to keep it all. It's, like, totally, you know, okay to sell some of
0: it and re-commodify it. The Egyptians worried about all of this stuff, too. And they worried about it to such a degree that they actually created a tale about it called Mm -hmm. "Consuemhab and the Ghost. Mm -hmm. And this tale, this tale is obviously written by a high, high elite person who mm-hmm. wants to keep this game of social separation intact. And yeah. bring me back to that point at some point. Okay. But, but in this tale, we learn that a high priest of Amun is being haunted by a really important rich dude from the middle kingdom. The ghost that's haunting him is for, is from hundreds of years before. Mm-hmm. And he's not remembered by any, and he says, you know, no one remembers me, but I was a very great man. And the fact that you're not, The the only reason he stops haunting the high priest is because the high priest gives him a new coffin set and gives him a new burial because all of his stuff has been taken. Mm -hmm. And then the man can stop haunting, which gives you an idea that in this perfected, idealized world, the rich people need to maintain their really nice coffins or else they're going to turn into mega ghosts who are going to ruin your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have the idea of our spooky Halloween episode of ghosts haunting people if they're not propitiated right. effectively, efficiently enough, and um, usually haunting like familial family members or loved ones or something like this, not just like hundreds of years later haunting a priest. But in a way, it's you know a good person to haunt because you you can get your the yeah he haunted the right something. guy. Yeah. he
0: knew who to go to 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 get what it was that he needed and. So the cool thing about this and why we even have tomb robbery or tomb recommodification at all is because in ancient Egypt, the rich are creating social separation from the Mm -hmm. rest of society with all of their tomb goods. And so they need to maintain this game or else they will lose the power that they have. But it's also the reason that when their power starts to wane, Others who don't have that same social separation or ability to create it come in and start to take all their shit.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, oh, and that rich person's tomb over there because mm-hmm. they're usually
0: marked. Mm-hmm.
1: They have good stuff. Yeah. So if you're a person who's, you know, poor or, you know, down on their luck and need something, it's, you know... You know where to go looking for something.
0: Tomb robbery is a form of resistance. Mm-hmm. It is a form of people from a lower stratum of society fighting back in whatever ways are available to them against people of upper stratum of society. Mm-hmm. And those people are dead. No, they can't fight back. However, their family members are very much alive and people know to whom they're related most of the time, not always. And even if they don't, they still know, oh, those are the elite. Those are the upper crust. Those are those people. And in time periods when state governments are collapsing or things are starting to reorganize, patrons start to not Mm -hmm. pay as they should. People are like, you know what? I'm going to go out and, and get something for me. Everyone else is getting something. So I'm going to get something too. Especially I can imagine if, you know,
1: a certain cemetery is kind of abandoned and they're not, well, here's the thing using it anymore. And it's, there's never an abandoned, I mean, yeah,
0: nobody's being, maybe
1: moving like Northward or something and,
0: I mean, yes, there can be abandoned cemeteries, but tomb robbery in Thebes was happening when that cemetery was active. Mm-hmm. And here's how it works best tomb robbery works best when people have just been interred. As you said, that perimortem yep. uh, disturbance, when people go in and as somebody is being buried, they pull a necklace off the mummy, you mm-hmm. know, or as even somebody's being mummified, don't put that put, box in. <laughs> they'll put it on there and then they'll just take it off yep. as soon as the family members have viewed it. It's, in my opinion, one reason that cartonnage was created in the 22nd dynasty and another reason why they pour black shit all yeah. over it because it's like, okay, we can't touch can't get it. in there
1: anymore. You can't get yeah. in there
0: without our handprints being all over it. which marked it. Even,
1: I mean, how hard was it to get Tut's black goo off? Exactly. They, like, had to rip him apart. Yeah, he's it's super just, defensive. He's just not, con- like, connected yeah. anymore.
0: <laughs> but the the way it works is the people involved in the entire manufacturing process of the stuff, of the tombs, of putting the people in the tombs, those people that are part of that industry, the people guarding the tombs, Mm -hmm. they're all involved. They're all involved. So when they're getting paid a salary, to guard the tomb and it's a decent salary and they're getting cared for by their patron. They're going to guard the tomb. Yeah. When something goes a little off and the well, patron's like, Oh, I can't really pay you, someone this pays month. you more or, you know, I'm not really sure what's happening. The, the tomb guard is going to take what he thinks is his. Yeah, like, what do they owe? And so you see people turning on each other and that's where the tomb robbery gets super interesting because you can create arguments about which patrons are failing to pay, which people being patronized are pissed off and resisting mm-hmm. and how this whole system works. And it's craftsmen who make coffins, it's patrons who, yeah. sorry, it's um, tomb tomb guards who are there meant to keep something safe. These are the people who are very much involved in the ground zero of, we know where the stuff is buried. We know how this works. They can be turned. <laughs> yes, they can be turned. And I can imagine at time periods when, tomb robbery, tomb commodification is really going gangbusters that even if you are getting paid well by your patron, you might be like, you know what? I'm missing out. Everyone's taking all of this stuff all around me. I'm going to get involved as well.
1: But yeah, once it kind of begins, it snowballs. um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure. And then at the, at the end of the process, you see even the rich people taking from, from each other.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So thinking more holistically how do we study tomb robbery in ancient Egypt?
0: Well, I I love to say you have to be systematic about it. Mm-hmm. That's rather difficult because tomb robbery means that things are taken and that they're removed from the archaeological record. Yeah. So how can you be systematic when things are missing?
1: Well, in most tombs, like 99% of them when archaeologists find them, they've been looted. Yeah. And um, you know, you could maybe figure out when or by whom or something yeah time time wise but in most cases that's a given that the tomb is going to be looted maybe reused at another time but we only have a very couple few examples of tombs being in the original state in which they were closed um so in in a way it's more how do we study tombs that aren't robbed is the harder part because we have
0: every tomb is robbed that we have to deal with in most cases. I think you could say every tomb has some... Even Tut's tomb. Even Tut's tomb has aspects of it that are problematic, Mm -hmm. that where things are missing that you think probably were placed in there and then were removed quickly. Things that could be easily pocketed, things that were so hyper fungible, like solid gold objects that were... It it was just so easy to take them, to show them to people, oh, they're being placed in here, and then to quickly take them back. Mm -hmm. Um, And
1: maybe... That being part of the actual normal
0: ritual, yeah. and it not being something like shady, well, that's the right? reversion like, of offerings, yeah. the reversion of offerings, as we understand it, is you do your big temple meal for the God and mm-hmm. you give them offerings in a certain order. You do so in a cool and enclosed space mm-hmm. where there's incense to keep the flies at bay and things like that. And you give all of these things to the divinity, placing them on the altar and, and piling them up and you know hoarding all of the stuff and bringing it to the God. And Then when that, that time is over you revert it all back to the priest and the Mm -hmm. priests then revert it to their families. And Mm -hmm. it becomes a big party feasting occasion. You don't let it go to waste. Right. So it is in a sense, a payment to the God and then in turn a payment to the people who are acting on behalf of the God. And everyone knows that that's the case. If you're doing that in your temple every day, all the time or every festival day, right. And you do do a meal every day for the God. Mm -hmm. You do bigger meals on festival days. If you're doing that then for the dead, and you're doing beautiful feast of the valley or other other elements that bring your ancestors to life and connect them with you and you're going to the tomb i think that you could probably have a conversation with a dead relative whom you know and and even go to their tomb and ask for permission mm-hmm. in a time period of crisis yeah. we don't have any re- record of this mm-hmm. i don't think we would expect to find one but you you would go there and say um, dear husband, I'm so sorry. I need to go into the burial chamber. I need to take some of these things. If we don't have this, we Mm -hmm. cannot survive. Please help us. And, and then that's it. And you, I think include, you would have included the ancestors in what you were doing Mm. if you needed to do such things. That you got permission. Yeah. In some, in some sense. Yeah. Well, and the coffin reuse shows this, and this is, it's the same thing we're using the word robbery or commodification. Recon- yep. I like to use the word reuse rather than usurpation yes, for coffins it, or other objects. It's more neutral. Yeah. yeah. One is an action that is uh, nefarious or mm-hmm. problematic. And the other one is just, it's an action. Yep. And coffin reuse, you can see that Often a female coffin set will be used for one relative and then it will be reused Mm -hmm. for another female relative. And in a few cases, you can prove that those are mother, daughter, mother, granddaughter and grandmother, granddaughter. And for some of the men, it's, uh, I I haven't seen one where you can actually prove the relation, but there's a social agreement, a a familial agreement about how this kind of thing is meant to happen.
1: Thinking about like the function of a coffin, do you need it in, perpetuity or Mm -hmm. do you need it for that moment Mm -hmm. when you're becoming an osiris and then once it's done are you you're good
0: and it can be reused for someone else it's a super complicated question do you need to keep it i think that the best way of looking at this is to understand that the coffin connects you to this earthly plane Mm -hmm. it connects you to this world and there's a wonderful book of uh, sorry there's a wonderful letter to the dead written by a husband to his wife, the letter of the dead to the lady Annette. No, it, oh, I can't remember her name. What's her name? Um, it's a Daryl Medina letter. I can't believe I've forgotten. Um, it doesn't matter, but he writes a letter to the dead and he writes it to the coffin uh. of his wife. He does not <laughs> write it to his wife. Mm-hmm. He says to the casket it's an old fashioned word for coffin yeah. he says to the the casket that contains my wife mm. please ask her how are you doing are you okay and he doesn't write to her directly so that yeah. coffin is yeah. a is like a It's like a telephone
1: conduit. Yeah. Yes. It's Mm -hmm. a conduit.
0: It's a way of connecting her to the here and now and to the people here. And so that's what the coffin's for. If you go into your sloping passage Mm -hmm. and your 19th dynasty tomb, you get into your burial chamber and you don't know who that coffin in the back corner is for. That's a relative from however long ago. And there's no mythology around that great ancestor. You have Mm -hmm. no idea who that person is that coffin. When things get tough is fair game. Yeah. So
1: you don't need to keep the coffin to like live on in the afterlife. It's more if
0: you want to interact with the current living. That's what I believe. Okay. And I think that's what the Egyptians believe because when push came to shove and they were between the rock and a hard place to mix all of my metaphors, they (laughs) decided to go for short term activity, short term Mm -hmm. transformation using coffin containers. Yeah. Rather than long-term ownership, forever and ever and yeah. ever and ever, yeah. and ever and ever and ever and ever. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? Repeat forever and ever, ever and, and ever. ever, ever and ever, ever, and ever, then like ever, freak yourself ever, out ever, thinking ever. I don't want to live that long and I'll just die living forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Only me. Yeah. Only me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would freak myself out thinking about death. Like, well, what is it? Can it? It's just nothing. Like, just that, what's nothing?
0: Like, not consciousness. Like it would. no i grew up very roman catholic so you're like sitting in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever and that terrified me more than the idea of death itself
1: Mm. i'd just be like this forever but what is forever yeah exactly
0: reincarnation sounds better yeah because then you forget that's why you forget you can't carry all that shit around yeah much better so other
1: ways of studying tomb robbery, we have papyri talking about it, which we'll get into
0: more later. Okay. We have Dockets. Yeah. There's, um, there's so many ways you can look at the tombs and look at, you can look at the coffins and you can look at the coffins, see if they're reused or messed with or forced open, sawn open something yeah. like that. You can look at uh, the bodies mm-hmm. and see That's if true. bandages have been ripped m- off, moved and- or ripped if, if, there's actually re-bandaged. salima crom's work is really interesting and i don't remember which mummy it is but there's a mummy that has resins on it and the imprint of a pectoral mm. in the That's resin gone. so they let the resin dry and then whoop they rip that pectoral out somebody pockets that yep. and then they wrap the guy up again and he's good to go <laughs> um there, there's all kinds of ways of reusing tomb goods mm-hmm. and tomb space and a lot of it we won't ever see like like the kinds of things, if you put metal jars containing unguents in there, and then they're just gone, yep. there's no way we would ever know. And we would never know that bronze vessel existed. It's not like we're going to find it someplace else, mm-hmm. because bronze is the, one of the most fungible, yep. recyclable uh, media that yep. you can possibly imagine. So it's just, it's in the modern bronze mm-hmm. collection.
1: Yeah, it's been reused and yeah. Re, yeah, yeah. melted down. And again, in most of the tombs we find are empty mm-hmm. have been looted mm-hmm. whenever in the past so
0: it's there are jars of unguents that have like a palm of the stuff removed yeah. from it they can yep. see that and they're like oh wow somebody came in brought a container in Scoops opened it up. out scooped a whole thing mm-hmm. out this is valuable stuff it's yep. like chanel number no. five on steroids yeah. scoop that shit out put it into a container and then they're off on their way who's ever going to see it the jar is there
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: linen super easy to sell
0: Super easy. Yep. And the, the other thing that you can see is that going from the 18th to the 19th dynasties, mm-hmm. which is going from the shaft tomb to the sloping passage yep. tomb, that w- the rich people of Egypt realized that burying their dead with unguents and metal vessels and wigs and furniture and linens and all of these nice things was highly problematic even if you put it in a shaft tomb that you filled with yeah. a whole bunch of rubble and sand asking for someone to come, <laughs> you were asking for someone to come. People would come, people would come and re-commodify and take all that stuff. And so you're like, you know what, you guys, Let's just have a sloping passage. Let's not seal a whole bunch of really nice commodities in there. Let's not show ourselves bringing all these nice commodities in there because we're not even doing it. Let's make everything that we put into the tomb primarily funerary in nature. Let's mark it. Let's put names on it. We're going to mark it. This is the coffin of Bob. This is the coffin of Jane. And this is her funerary bed. And this, you don't put all of that daily life stuff Mm -hmm. in there anymore and you're doing it ostensibly, because in the 18th dynasty already, particularly the end of the 18th dynasty, people were were taking all of that stuff. Or you put it as a pictorial image in the tomb, or you just have shopties that then are stand-ins for literally everything. It's crazy they don't even put the pictorial images anymore. So if you look at an 18th dynasty Mm -hmm. tomb, you see them bringing all of the commodities, all of the stuff, and you're like, that would have been in this burial chamber, how amazing. 19th dynasty tomb, they're like, this is all religiously motivated, we're not making this about economics and excess. It, it would be like rich people today of the 80s showing themselves with their fancy watches and yachts. And then now today, a lot of rich people show themselves praying or in church or making it all about God and yeah. Jesus take the wheel. And yet they're both still living in really nice mansions and maybe in mm-hmm. yachts, but they don't show them in the same yeah. way that they did before. Yeah. The display is different. Yeah. hmm Yeah. That is interesting.
1: Yeah. So then you don't have the goods placed into the tomb. Mm-hmm. So then, oh, you go going to go loot this tomb and you're going to find a coffin which is still a commodity yeah and a body yeah which maybe you could loot
0: the jewelry or something off of which but, are still yeah but, but it, like that's it's, it one of the most defensive things that you can do to prepare for the eventual re-commodification is to filter it through religion. Mm-hmm. Because people are superstitious. And people will feel weird about their moral. Maybe. They're yeah. like, oh no, the gods are watching me and I am now grabbing an amulet, no matter how precious it is. Yep. Like, say it's solid carnelian or whatever. You're grabbing that amulet and it right. is of a, a Osiris. And will Osiris smite yeah. you in that moment or whatever? And so, rich people are very clever about making their things seem God given and th- making their hoarded excess seem holier than anything that you can touch mm-hmm. it will not work in the end yeah and people the tumor of your fiery, which desperate. we'll get yeah. to they even set these coffins on fire and come back and get the gold and silver later so good luck you n- yeah. when, when people have something they want to get they will find any way to get it but it's interesting the way rich people try to make it seem morally inaccessible mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. to the to future generations of, of people like them too mm-hmm
1: well so my next question is then how did they protect their tombs from being robbed so as we say there's this um idea within archaeology of having booby traps mm-hmm. and secret passageways and trap doors and all these things to keep out tomb robbers and
0: but there's really um, not much of that right uh-uh. you just really you use the basics you have a guard You have somebody Mm -hmm. who's there all the time. You better pay that guard what that guard feels he is worth and his family is worth. Um, But things get more defensive over time. So you you have your guards in the 18th dynasty. They were obviously ineffective when people really came to re-commodify. And so the best way of protecting is to shift what it is you put in there. To not put those Mm -hmm. commodities in there at all anymore. But then when they start coming for the funerary commodities too, you know oh my God, what do we even do? By the end of the whole process, by the time you get to mid 20th dynasty, people are burying themselves in secret. Mm-hmm. Burying their family members in secret with nothing marked, yep. no big fancy tomb chapel, nothing that says, yeah. oh my God, this is our family's sepulcher because you can't protect it. And, which is, and that's it. Which is the funniest because we go from pyramids, like yes. taking it way back, where it's are the most ostentatious, o-
1: overt markers on a landscape yeah. of where someone is yeah. buried, yeah.
0: Um, which obviously did not work to keep... Um, the king safe. It proves to you that ostentatious burial functions for a very short period of time. Yeah. It functions to, to keep patrons in their patronage spot and to make people feel that they are less than for a limited amount of time. But when that system starts to crumble, someone goes, fuck it. I'm going to go. For and I know too. where the good stuff is. The good shit is right there. Yeah. And I'm going to go and, and dig there. The pyramids will never preserve the pyramids will try to manufacture a mythology of kingship that is mm-hmm. unassailable and it is indeed a weapon of the mind as i have written elsewhere yep. but like it's it's not going to work to protect your your in yep. your tomb at yep. all mm-hmm. i don't care what and in pyramids we know they had like these plugs of granite blocks i yep. would plug Big the passageway you yeah, just so go around that. you just go around it and dig through the limestone yeah. blocks and go around the plug of granite yep. who cares and if you got a plug of granite, you can follow the line of that and be also, like, okay, we go up that way. If you hit the granite, you know you're on the right path. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? This is an exactly. important path. Like, oh my to god, the we're almost there. So
1: Let's just go right around it.
0: So the plugs of granite aren't going to work. The you know the well, the deep in, wells, the but That deep has wells, like a religious
1: significance too. Everything is always going to be overlapping. But you can also just slap a board down. and yes, you, have you a, can. A, you know,
0: yeah. a bridge done. Yeah. And and then walk over that bridge yeah. and and you're fine and yes there probably were as there are in movies all kinds of fights that happen when people were trying to steal things from tombs mm-hmm. and then a, a counter theft group came in yeah, and like, you Wait, would this fight. Is our and yeah. then somebody gets thrown down the well ah and then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, you can do things like that. Oh. You can put... You put um, your tomb somewhere very secretive, mm-hmm. like right in the...
1: Maybe up on a cliff, in a cliffside.
0: That's why the Valley right? of the Kings
1: was created yep. in this way. But like, DB 320 was pretty... Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about that. But that's we're probably
0: an 18th about. dynasty tomb. Yes. 18th mm-hmm. dynasty, those kings knew oh. to be shifty and be yep. secretive. And the first is said to have been buried with no one seeing, no one hearing.
1: And the early 18th women's like Hatshepsut's early tomb all those early like very cliff face and out, that are, in, like, out in the middle of nowhere yeah. yeah those are or the foreign brides mm-hmm. of t three's tomb that are out in the middle of nowhere
0: and I think there was probably good shit in those tombs mm-hmm. but nothing left now and but yeah, obviously someone found them at some point. <laughs> another way to protect your tomb would be to put a spell in front. So that's my next question. carve something into the rock, and sort of curse, yes. right? There's may always a crocodile, the Pharaoh's
1: curse. Yeah, may
0: a crocodile snatch you if you take my stuff.
1: Well, we do have Old Kingdom ones. I remember translating a few Old Kingdom biographies and that new Old Kingdom tomb found. Um, at Saqqara. There's the I will wring your neck like a duck. Yeah. If you're not but it's not that if you come in here and loot it, it's that if you come in here and you're not pure wob. It's so if you don't come
0: and pollute this place. But it, if, indeed, Jordan, because yes. if you actually put down, if you come here and take things, yes, well. you are putting that into the sacred medu neture and then people might actually do it mm-hmm. because it's in it's been committed to writing. You would never want to commit that kind of a problematic act into yeah. the stone of your tomb.
1: But I love the image of the wringing your neck like a duck. Yeah. Right? If you come in here and
0: no, it's amazing. mess with things. So there are curses. There are curses. There are not trapdoors, doors, but, but there are wells or shafts yeah. that you can fall down that Mainly, are super dangerous. the burial chamber was separate mm-hmm. from
1: areas that were accessible. And, and would unmarked. Have, yeah, unmarked, separate, that so you would have had to have known, and then also dug into... And to be able to dig into a burial chamber, you time and without someone trying to, without
0: someone catching you, the necropolis police or something. I, but the idea that I write about in the commodity book, The Coffin is Commodity, mm-hmm. is that all of this is created because the ancient Egyptian rich people wanted to materialize a social separator. And the social separator par excellence is the mummy, which is that my body gets to not decompose. Mm-hmm. Whereas your bodies are all going to decompose. So 95% of the of society, you will not be here on this earth. I, however, yeah. will last forever. My wife will last forever. It's like, I don't know, imagine the most apocalyptic movie you've seen where they all get in their spaceship yeah, as the asteroids the coming yeah. and they fly off and everyone's like, oh, they get to live. That's what the Egyptians were doing. The rich Egyptians mm-hmm. were doing with every time one of their great patrons died yeah. and burying them in this way. They're just like, look at what we get and what you don't get, and you have to imagine what that long-term sufferance of that, uh, and yeah, knowing uh, that
1: like I'm not going to the afterlife. Well, yeah. that was my, I was having some like more meta thinking of like, what does looting a tomb or things like this mean to people who do believe in an afterlife? Like I think, within modern Western Judeo-Christian background, right, people who believe in an afterlife believe they need their body to be preserved f- for said afterlife mm-hmm. and so there's this taboo against going and digging up a cemetery moving bodies around even though sometimes it has to happen but they have to be like reconsecrated or this things the like this is chief... this taboo around messing with people once they're dead and in their spot
0: this so we do that for the dead but we do it for rich people's stuff in general needs to remain sacrosanct in a Mm -hmm. certain way and protected and that rich people stuff can be a tomb and yes, messing with the dead, the dead can haunt you. So you have that added element to it, but think of how we treat, messing with rich people's stuff today. So if a bunch of poor people in a bad part of town are told that they're worthless and they can be killed by cops with impunity, then they go out, maybe get mad, go to a corporate um space, shopping center, or something, start smashing windows and taking something. And people flip their shit. Mm-hmm. They flip their shit more than anything. And the morality that is brought to bear is like... I know. It's crazy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Where you, these people are taking what is not theirs and they're they're criminals mm-hmm. and they all need to be in jail. And it's just like, people don't frame it within a con- a context of resistance yep. or ongoing oppression. They frame it as the immorality of rioting and looting yep. and doing all of these bad things. The ancient Egyptians did exactly the same. see it as a rationale
1: for yes. why they're being treated that way.
0: Yes. Instead of
1: seeing it as a... Cause and effect type of thing,
0: but it's also a rationale for why, yeah, why you continue to have these separations yeah. in society. Yeah. That they these d- poor people deserve it or something they deserve it. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to handle the really nice mm-hmm. stuff. Look what they do when they're around really nice things. They can't. They can't yeah. spend money well. And there's all of these tropes yeah. about how poor people don't know how yep. to budget and rich people do, and whatever. Yeah. But but there's there's all kinds also of morality even about things. Cemeteries,
1: right? We have instances of black cemeteries
0: mm-hmm.
1: being dug up. The bodies pushed aside, but like you would never go do that to I don't know, like Arlington. You know, that's gonna be there forever. No one's gonna mess with Arlington. So one thing. So one thing. Until the state until yes,
0: exactly. (laughs)
1: But in theory, for a very long time. No one's going to
0: build a Walmart on Arlington, yeah. but they will build a Walmart on indigenous or black burial yeah, grounds. I remember they being do in so all Philly the
1: all the time where, at my university, they were doing something for the university and they found a cemetery where all the headstones had been cleared away in the past, but the bodies were all still there. I saw Poltergeist. And they were like, exactly, right? It's, yeah, it's the whole story of Poltergeist. Of And then they you know had to move the bodies and they reburied them somewhere where it was you know proper but yeah so you know it's always interesting to think like how much time is necessary to go by before it's then it's okay or it's not your people so then it's made okay right it's indigenous people so like we can desecrate their graves because it's not my people or or black people or something like this that then it's okay but not lincoln or in arlington and
0: the first instance of coffin reuse that I've been able to document, the earliest instance for this late Bronze Age collapse, mm-hmm. shows six to seven generations having passed. Wow. Do you know anyone from seven oh, generations no. ago? No.
1: I mean, granted, we live a little longer now, but seven times, even if, say, 30 years is generation, that's 200 years ago.
0: Dating oh. one coffin style and another coffin style, you can make this kind of a connection. But. But there's so much coffin reuse that shows not even a generation has mm-hmm. passed. That, that's different. Yeah. yeah. That's more interesting. Yeah. Of knowing it's your mom or something or whatever. Okay. So one of the coolest things about tombs in ancient Egypt or just Tomb re-commodification. Because what are we talking about? But putting a whole bunch of really good shit in a hole in the ground Stop. and expecting people not to take not it. Not to touch it. They're not supposed to touch it. It's like, okay, we're going to take this awesome shit that we know it's would change yours. your life, but yeah. it's not yours. And we're going to we're gonna show it to you. Shiny, shiny things. And then we're going to put it in a hole in the ground. We're going to say, no, not for you, but we'll pay you tiny little amounts of money to stay away and guard it. But tiny little amounts. I mean, that's kind of what Just it is. like a pure tease. It's awful. Yeah, It's awful. And it's what capitalism is. It's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying this is capitalism, but it's just social separations of all kinds exist. You're just expecting exist.
1: like social mores and norms to keep people in line. It's like when you go to you know, a fancy store now, it's like, I'm not going to steal the fancy thing because I
0: know it's illegal and yeah. bad and all these yeah. things and I'll
1: get in trouble. Yeah.
0: And that fancy thing is not for you. You don't have the yeah, money for it. I don't
1: have it. the money to pay for it. And but do
0: not steal is not something that most hunter gatherers are aware of. This well, isn't a morality. Ownership. ownership, yes. But to steal, this idea of stealing something, mm-hmm. to whom does it own? Does it belong to a tribe Especially or a group or dead. a family when someone's dead? Do you own stuff still? Exactly. And all of this morality around theft. I mean, you could argue that what you see in the tomb robbery papyri, sorry, what you could argue that what you see in the book of the dead yeah. papyri is it starts with theft. It mm-hmm. starts with, okay, I didn't kill. I didn't order to be killed. Oh, yeah. And then the I didn't steal. Yeah. And I didn't steal anything from the altar mm-hmm. of the gods. Yep. So it's all, all of these ideas of Whose goods are whose, who's meant to own them, who's able to own them, and why? And it's all top-down societal imposition. For sure. Oh, but what I was going to say is that it goes in these waves where you you get the 18th dynasty where they've just lived through a time period of one would presume rampant re-commodification of all kinds. Mm-hmm. And so Tillman's the first is like, okay, I don't want anyone to know where my tomb is. Yeah, And Hatshepsut follows that. And she's like, I don't want anyone to know where my tomb is. And we still argue about whose tomb is whose, but by but the but time, all still looted. but so point, eventually it will be. Someone's going to find yeah. it. Right. Too not common, they did not find, but most of the time they do. But, by the time they get to Ramses II, he's like, "Screw this shit!" It's Like, I know they're gonna find it. They believe their own press. They believe that everything will stay this way forever. Yeah. They believe they'll never go through a bear market, and that everything's gonna be great forever. And they put their tombs in the fanciest, splashiest, most ostentatious of places where everyone can see them. And they even put big doors I feel like on them. Like, lean into it. They they're like, actually, do. no, come visit my tomb. Yeah. There's nothing in there for you to take. You're right. But come visit and... My tomb is like a temple. Yeah. My tomb has Come remember me. Yeah.
1: That's what I want. I don't want money or offerings, but just my
0: memory to be... Kind of. They still put a lot of good stuff in those tombs. But like... But they made it religious, arguably. Less commodity and more religious. Yeah. re-commodified as Again, easily. Again, we, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but if Myrnepta had three or four nesting yes. sarcophagi. But stone. Stone sarcophagi. Not as what, easy to re-com- re-commodify as wood. But what's inside of them?
1: Well, yeah. But you can't get into it as easily, I guess, because They got into it in well, the end. eventually,
0: yeah. But I think there were three solid gold coffins in there. I think. Well, um, I can't prove it, because you can't when we're talking about <laughs> they're this. They're gone. Someone you, you got You can't them. prove what was there that was taken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And presumably, when people were entering, there was a guard. It wasn't just, like, open access, open access.
0: When they were entering what?
1: The tomb. To take from Renefta? Just to visit or to take. Maybe it was more of a sanctioned.
0: I mean, when they're actually taking and they're opening up their sarcophagi, they're bringing in work crews of men to lift things open. Presumably,
1: it was by the people in charge, not, like, by some, some sneaking into the valley in the middle of the night, like, doing this, like
0: subversively well the guys that did sneak around in the middle of the night according to the tomb robbery papyri interestingly the targets that they hatched were 17th dynasty they were going to things that were outside of the valley and
1: for things that maybe people wouldn't care or like know about
0: where people's defenses when they buried them were more reliant upon secrecy and subterfuge rather than being reliant on big scale protection yeah like if you're talking about a booby trap or protection of precious things for nesting hard stone sarcophagi is gonna do it yeah it's going to do it because you could get into that tomb. You could get past the guards. You could be like, we're going to steal like, off some hi, shit. No, you get in there this granite. <laughs> and then you see a room of granite that you cannot lift and have no you're means like, of lifting. You're not an engineer and you don't have any sort yeah, of stuff room for that. You can't. So you're like, okay, I guess we have been stopped. And one would assume that those sarcophagi were closed before they were slid into the burial chamber. We I mean, just that engineering feat in and of itself mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. That will stop a disorganized crew, but it's not going to stop an organized crew. Yes. So the, the tomb robbery papyri—they're going after kings and queens, but of the 17th and early 18th dynasties, yeah. 17th dynasty really, a yeah. Naga, and they're able to get to them. They're able to pull their coffins out. They're not surrounded by all mm-hmm. of that high-cost defensive stuff, too. If you
1: presumably know the guards' watch patterns and stuff, and maybe that area isn't as, you know, surveyed and as as protected.
0: If it were me, I wouldn't. And this is what the tomb robbery show. They don't worry about the guards' watch patterns. They are the guards. Or they get to know the guards. Or or they they enlist the guards. They enlist the guards in their their scheme. The guards are all in on it. Yeah. The guards know. Every single body that's published by Smith in the Royal Mummies book has hacking or being disturbed, disarticulation, something where they've gone through and removed amulets and other valuables in very violent ways not very violent in with some force Mm -hmm. with some force so
1: the next couple questions i have are case studies Mm -hmm. of looking some instances of tomb robbery or tomb recommodification type events or instances all related all within the new kingdom period um i have a question of just about the pyramids of Giza and obviously they're looted at some point point. and I was just wondering if you have any, I mean there's no evidence to substantiate any of this, but when do you think it happened? because there's always the idea of they stopped building pyramids because they were getting looted so then they went to you know the valley after and started digging tombs into the cliff face that could be easily hidden and all these types of things and that's why we stopped doing pyramids
0: yeah but we have a whole couple dynasties that do pyramids in the 11th mm-hmm. 12th and, yep. and 13th dynasty so it's pretty hard and then nubia picks those mm-hmm. pyramids too so mm-hmm. and they're all heavily looted yeah too obviously um, you know it's tricky but I guess it would be the fall of the sixth dynasty yeah, like sometime the, in the first intermediate period exactly maybe. Yeah. that means that they went into all of those pyramids and and re-commodified heavily and you have to imagine that some of these pyramids still had functional priestly installations mm-hmm. doing cults yep I mean we and have evidence for the yeah the in sixth dynasty still going yeah. On. yeah so if they're keeping all of that going, then maybe they know where entrances are, where you might be able to get to certain things. Maybe they, they at the end of the Sixth Dynasty, they already, already started tunneling into the limestone. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Maybe some casing stones were removed. It's not clear. What you can definitely say is that by the beginning of Dynasty 12, not Dynasty 11, but Dynasty 12, yep. at Lisht, in the pyramid of Amenemhet I, you have blocks reused from yes. Khufu's temples. To put into the temples of Amenemhat yep. the first, so yep. so there you've got at least architectural reuse of blocks. That that might also mean it probably also means that the interior, the juicy pyramid center, as I like to say, was also <laughs> violated. Yeah, that um, it had
1: been. Yeah. So then it was like, well, it's violated. All the stuff's gone anyway. Maybe you, if the mummy's still there, you move it somewhere else, and then now everything else is up for grabs because it's no longer. Serving a purpose, yeah. right, as a tune. Um, I just always like to think, like, yeah, did it happen early? Did it happen, like, thousands of years later? Probably early, though. And it depends. Tutankhamen's well, yeah, final smiling. looting didn't happen until 1922. Yeah. That's my next question, because when this episode comes out, it will be close to Tut's centennial um, discovery, yeah. in air quotes. Yeah. Um, and so Tut always gets the epithet of being the only tomb that was, un, you know, undisturbed that we've found. Um, but we have evidence of his tomb being open, diluted, attempted robbery, I think, is more. Um, people went in there and then they, you know, caught them or something and then resealed well, there's the, it. There's and there the was five rings in the handkerchief, right? Yeah, that are, like, kind of dropped in the corridor mm-hmm. um, and there's re a resealing of it. Yeah. Um, they have, you know, the stamping, the ceilings. So it what is not perfectly and within the boxes, some of the garment boxes and stuff, things are rifled around that yep. should have been neatly folded. So they clearly were just, like, opening boxes and digging through them looking for goodies and, and then, just the annex
0: in the front room yeah, suggests that yes. people are rifling through yeah they only
1: got to the the front room yeah which is just also funny to think like either these people got spooked and then like ran back out or they got caught or something but then when they resealed the tomb no one bothered to go in and like re-tidy up they just resealed it right they, they didn't refold the all the disturbed linen they didn't check to see if
0: something was gone and like replace it. You know what it reminds me of? It's too hot. They just were like, eh. (laughs) It's too hot. Think of the guy changing the light bulb in the tut mask case yeah and then the mask fell over and he must have like grabbed the beard and then wrenched the beard off like, and then <laughs> they there were probably like three guys going oh fuck, fuck what fuck. have we done yeah. and then they get the cheap epoxy and they just glue it yeah. back so, on like, there fine, and they're like it'll be fine let's not talk about it yep. and that's their cleanup job and close the case and everything's fine and yeah, I the think sooner it did, we close it. it happened because of light bulb changes right i think i think so yeah it's crazy um but i can't believe you
1: just like <laughs> i don't know if it was me I would have moved the mask, let the guy fix the light bulb and then remove the mask back, not have left it in the same case.
0: But. I, I think it's insane. But, that so that you're happened. saying
1: for Tut's tomb that whoever was supposed to be watching it maybe wasn't doing their job yeah. adequately, they were like, oh, this literally we just sealed this tomb, we're going to get... In trouble or get
0: yeah, you gotta close that so up quickly. As quickly close it, pretend as like everything's
1: like yes, nothing happened. Yes, yeah.
0: you can't keep that open. Folding sheets and things and putting the chariots to right, it takes time. Yeah, no one has time for that. I just think it's funny. Yeah,
1: they just like left it as is, and they're like, nope, just seal it, and we're good to go. Get out yeah. of here. Um, well, on that note, with Tut's tomb being one of the only un-unlooted almost perfectly preserved tombs, how reflective do you think it is of, in comparison to other, say, like, like, what would the tomb of A3 have been like? Or People Ramsay's. argue about this all the time. Like, we know Tut's tomb is weird. It's not, the sizing isn't right. It probably wasn't originally meant for him. All these things, a lot of his tomb goods were originally someone else's. Um... Ignoring that stuff, on the whole, would maybe A3 just have had the similar stuff, but just more? And same with Ramses or something.
0: So first, there's the move from the 18th to the 19th. Yes. Which means that Amenhotep III would have arguably had more stuff. non-funery commodity stuff. Like, I whereas, feel like he would have
1: had so much linen. Like, it would have just ridiculous. been stacked to the ceiling. Because well, you think of, like, hot nofer. Yeah. Like of uh, Sanomot's parents, yeah. there's so much linen in that tomb. It's d- 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 like a full, I mean, it could have, if you think of people probably not having that much clothing back then. Yeah. It probably could have clothed like ten people,
0: <laughs> and ha- and how much would have been in stacked in all yeah. of these side rooms for Roman hooded. Like I get the, the met. Tomb. It's just
1: they have just piles and piles and piles and piles of it.
0: So once more commodities unmarked in the eighteenth dynasty and the nineteenth dynasty, they they've gotten wise that you have to religiously mark these things and make them into. Something so you don't think different. Ramses would have
1: had just a bunch of
0: jars full of unguents and clothing? And I don't think that they dispense with commodities entirely in yeah. the nineteenth and twentieth dynasties. I it would don't. Have been Different. But I do think they made it more religiously untouchable, or untouchable yeah. in a way. And the there are actually two different opinions on this that I've heard, and I argue with with my grad student and mm-hmm. your colleague Nick Brown all the time on this about whether or not Tutankhamen is representative of anything. Is his tomb? actually representative of a height an apex yeah. of putting awesome shit in the valley of the kings and then after that people are like let's taper it back down mm-hmm. or do we look at that tomb and say if this is what you hide in this shitty little tomb what would no, the third before him no, have had yeah. and what would ramses the second like T3 after even. Him have had? yeah you know like yeah, yeah tuts
1: wasn't nobody yeah and the, the and decoration in there stuff. is
0: not very nice. Yes. The tomb is not well planned. And he still gets all of these things. And some people argue, oh, he gets all of this stuff because they're putting all of this Amarna stuff away they're that they don't to want. to get rid of it. Like yeah. a throne, like, like a this, yeah. like a shrine that's Amarna, whatever. It's too much. We, we, we have no use for it. It almost becomes like a Karnat cachette, but a, an Amarna like he's cachette.
1: The, he's the um, like storage facility. They're like, just stir it all in there for him right? and his body and it's good to go. But, but I don't think that but no, I actually because don't think you could that. have just easily remelted on gold. Yeah. You don't need to keep it in a no, form. No, you, you, you take
0: just- the gold off. It's, you peel the gold sheet yeah. off of that throne and you reuse yeah. it and remake you it. You wouldn't just be like, oh, we don't want this anymore. No. Bullshit. Yeah. So what I think is that the Egyptians were getting more cleverly defensive and were making more things that were religiously marked to try to stop, not poor people from taking things, because who cares, but to stop their own peers from trying to take things. So maybe you bury less rings and normal jewelry and normal nice garments and you bury more um, religious things or you take your gold and you put it into a coffin form. What Mm -hmm. more defensible way of keeping your things intact than that. Yeah. And, But then they just steal your coffin. (laughs) Yes, but it's harder to steal a coffin. And it's a lot harder to steal a coffin when it's encased in a sarcophagus. Even one sarcophagus layer of protection is going to be really hard to get into. Tutankhamen only has one. I would suggest that by the time you get to Seti the first and Ramses the second, you had two layers of Mm -hmm. sarcophagus protection, which were nested at a different site. Yeah. Someplace outside of the tomb, nested at a different site. All the stuff goes into it. They put the lids on it. Then they have to slide that whole ensemble somehow into the tomb. In a way, the
1: sarcophagus becomes the tomb. Yes. And then it's completely sealed
0: and then put inside something else. We keep talking about booby traps. There's no better booby trap than during a time period when the state is functioning, than taking granodiorite and making it like multiple meters or multiple feet thick. Yep. And nesting two of those pieces one inside another. Go for it. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, when you have dynamite, when Belzoni has dynamite, yes, you can put that there and blow mm-hmm. it all up. You and we have iron, your treasure crowbars inside. Bars and things. Yeah. Exactly. Then it's, you can open it. But in lieu of that, you're going to need dozens of men and their, and their strength and then some really Time good
1: and levers and, and other yeah.
0: things to be able to open that thing up. And you're going to break some shit. Yeah. You, will, you will ruin some of these pieces. Yeah. It's not going to be easily done. So I think that the stuff did indeed get nicer and that more things were put into the tomb of Seti the first, the tombs of Seti the first and Ramses the second, but I think they were more religiously oriented. So it was quality and
1: context over quantity.
0: <laughs> yeah. And over easily fungible
1: commodities. Yeah. So it's stuff that if you sh- showed up with it at the local market, they would have been like, where'd you get this? Like... This isn't something you should have. You already Versus see. Versus a sheet of linen that's like, okay. Too uncommon is... Post
0: Amarna. Mm-hmm. We've been through our Amarna interlude where things kind of went to hell in a handbasket and what yeah. do we do when we were away for a while and now we've come back. You you might arguably already see that shift happening with the tomb of Tutankhamun because so much in that tomb is religiously oriented. They don't have stacks. There is a lot of linen. There's a lot of underwear, like 427 pairs of underwear yeah. or something like that. But he that. doesn't
1: have that many. The garments that are in there
0: are weird,
1: right? They're... His priestly garb, his Syrian tunic, his tunic that has all the like beading—they're not just pieces of linen.
0: And it's not stacks of beds. Yeah, it's not like to and...
1: tomb, Khnumeret, or or like ha- nofer and Ramosa. It's it's very like choice pieces, like outfits. His hunting garb, his his gloves. You have all the loincloths
0: um and but that could be like a shopty like you have to have a different that you know, or like
1: you, these were pieces that were like actually
0: used in life so there's something maybe don't or don't be caught dead without your underwear yeah, Ha-ha. something you like need to have a lot of but so you get one for every 365 days of the year plus an additional yeah. plus who
1: knows but like all the other garments are all like very like choice pieces you don't have just like a plain linen tunic
0: so you're right or, the or like a bunch of Cheats. There, this tomb is different from Khan Merit mm-hmm. or no fur Yeah, but is it because people went in and rifled through and took all of that stuff? We don't know. Because that's the stuff
1: that you could easily re commodify. You're not going to be able to re commodify a Syrian tunic because they're going to be like, "Where'd you find this?" Yeah. But if you just have a plain linen sheet, even though it's probably going to be a really nice quality linen, maybe still more less suspicious, less us. But yeah but so it's true. it's a yeah. constant so point we, to argue
0: but i we, think things got nicer yeah
1: that's yeah so it was always hard because it's like evidence of absence mm-hmm. doesn't mean it wasn't there it just mm-hmm. if it got stolen then we just don't even know
0: what was what was there
1: yeah it's supposed to be there yeah
0: yeah and the tombs got bigger yes so just that that the tomb of Tutmosis the third and Tuna Common is an outlier, but yeah. the tomb of Thomas was the third up to the tomb of Ramses the second. I mean, Ramses the second's tomb mm-hmm. is huge. The tomb of his son is huge. Seti the first tomb is the largest in the valley, yeah. and there's all these side rooms to put shit in. Yep. So I and I think those rooms were filled with materials. I do. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there was um, there were a lot of treasures <laughs> to be had from these places, and I wonder if less
1: goods that would be worth because when you're going to break into a tomb and put all this effort into it if it's not like state sanctioned like we'll, we'll get to later um, like true tomb robbery the stuff you're going for needs to be worth your while right so like you could have like a room like set in Seti's tomb for example like a room full of like wine or beer is it worth it to break into and steal a bunch of beer that's really hard to carry you're not going to be able to get out with that much you want stuff that's small really expensive like gems gold things but also things that are maybe not suspicious and not as conspicuous if you show up how do you how do you get those back into the market without looking
0: I think we can see this even looking at Tutankhamun's tomb that most of the high quality gold the purest form of gold the that solid gold stuff is directly surrounding the king's body. Mm-hmm. That's where you see it. It's on the mask. It's on the inner coffin. It's on all of the toe and finger stalls, all of the ambulance, yeah, everything ambulance is all, just all of this that's touching cheating. his body. Everything else that's in there. It's not that there aren't any other solid gold pieces. I mean, the solid gold dagger is on his body, but mm-hmm. there are golden pieces, but it's going to be gold leaf, maybe some, some gold sheeting, mm-hmm. but most of it is not as nice as what you would see right next to his body. Yeah. So they're always thinking defensively about what are people going to easily be able to get to and that's why those finger rings it's so interesting they took they took those finger rings you wonder if kings would put their jewelry boxes in these tombs because you can't think of anything more fungible than than rings like that and you could easily break that down using and i was just talking to nadia ben marzouk about this over text she was wondering about this one hieroglyphic sign in the word for sheta secret secret of places and um, and in the word has, uh, a, a tea bread loaf, and then it has the mold and the bread coming out of the top. And she's like, it's a crucible. I'm like, it's not a crucible. It's a bread mold with the bread poking out mm-hmm. of the top. She's like, oh my God, but crucibles look like this too. And I was like, you know, in the tomb robbery papyri, the guys actually say we needed some bread. So they talk about the gold that they're stealing and they enumerate. We took this much gold, this much yep. silver. This is what everyone took. and We divvied it up. But they said we needed bread. Are they using the gold to buy bread or do they associate the gold with bread? The it's bread it's, is
1: like a monetary standard. Yes. Yeah.
0: But also, and that's what Nadia and I were talking about, is that what would you use to take your golden object and make it less marked like you've stolen the money from the bank now you got to clean all the purple dye off of your cash yeah. in the same way you've stolen all these golden things now you need to melt them down so that they're unrecognizable and people don't know where it comes from if it's got the name of the king on it yeah. you've got a problem yep. so what are you going to use you go back to your village where are you going to go you're going to go to your bread oven mm-hmm. you might have a village bread yeah. oven i mean yeah you, you might have a family bread oven you're going to go to the bread oven and you're going to be able to get that thing as hot as you need to probably to melt down I mean, copper. Easy. Gold is easy. Super easy. You could probably melt down I copper <laughs> and you could definitely melt down gold and silver. So you would use that. And so this idea of money equaling bread, it, it made us go, oh, wait, that's, this is a really interesting hmm. connection. And it's connected with the resistance of re-commodifying things that aren't A technology you're supposed to have this has been monopolized Mm -hmm. gold technology is something that's been taken from the normal person yeah um even copper technology there Mm -hmm. is there are constant attempts to monopolize it within a state context and so the heat just to bake your bread the heat that you need can be enough to do some basic metallurgy Mm -hmm. that can give you that kind of resistance if you if you need to take things of course just having gold in, in a certain market context is going to be highly problematic. Yes, problematic. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> For where did you guys. get that? Exactly. Well, but Or you have to
1: launder it in some other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good point. So speaking of the tomb robbery papyri, mm-hmm. um, we've mentioned them a couple times now, and I kind of just want to give our audience a background to what these papyri are, um, what they detail why they're so useful to us. I, we've read them so many times, and they're always, every time I read them, you find something new um, that you learn about them, a new tidbit of knowledge. Um, and how are they useful in understanding this phenomenon of tomb robbery in general?
0: I love the tomb robbery papyri. Yeah. Uh, the name, I suppose, is a bit unfortunate, but not really. It's a well, romantic it's, it's name. It's sexy, yeah. It's fine. Everyone wants to read Tomb Robbery Papyri. The Tomb Robbery Papyri can give you all kinds of information. They can give you information of... So first, when did they date two? What
1: date, are they? Re- what do Amber, they recount? What, look it
0: up. It's Ramses 9 and 11, right? Yes, you're right. It is? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Sorry. So they... I just get nervous because there's so mm-hmm. many of them. Well, there's a whole lot well, of Tomb Robbery Papyri. So
1: mainly we're talking about... Papyrus Mayor
0: A and B. And yes. It's like the main meaty ones that are very long. In and, the British Museum. In the British Museum now. And they are Ramses 9 and Ramses yes. 11, who some people think overlapped. Good luck with that. Yeah.
1: Very and we also have the abbot papyrus Yeah,
0: as another set of um, tomb robbery papyri. And you can learn what tombs were intact still at a certain mm-hmm. point. So the fact that you have tombs that are being... Locked down and protected in the reign of Ramses XI means that most of the Valley of the Kings was indeed intact Yes, at the end of the new kingdom, which is important. Mm-hmm. So you kind of know, historically important, I mean, <laughs> you kind of know whose tombs are safe and whose are not. So Drabal Naga has been very much violated yes. by this time, but the Valley of the Kings mostly still seems to be safe. So the tomb robbery papyri are a
1: recounting of people who were robbing the tombs got caught yes it's an investigation investigation that's a good yes an investigation into the looting these men are caught having looted tombs and then it's their interrogation and the subsequent investigation and then they go and check on these tombs to see which ones were actually looted, if, if these guys, you know, some of the guys turn coat and end up blabbing um, and telling them the full story. And the papyri is the the story, the recounting of how these guys, what they did, how they break into the tomb, what did they set, uh, steal, how much gold exactly, how did they divvy up the gold between all the members of the gang that went and and looted the tombs, um, and then we have information of the officials the mayor of thebes going and kind of checking on the the circumstances of the tombs if they're which ones were actually looted
0: which ones are safe there's two mayors of thebes yes there's the eastern mayor of thebes and the western mayor of thebes and the eastern mayor of thebes arguably pissed off at being kept out of all of the re-commodification that he's not directly benefiting from has blown the whistle on the Western mayor of mm-hmm. Thebes, and obliquely the high priesthood of Amun. And so what happens is that the vizier comes on down, a whole bunch of king's men, the butlers, the ubas, yes. come on down. And there is this whole like commission, if you like, mm-hmm. put together informally or formally of different competing interests of what used to make up the new kingdom state and yet are now in competition with one another. Mm -hmm. So the tomb robbery papyri, from my perspective, it says a whole lot about the people at the bottom whose patrons are fucking them over. And they're like, okay, I'm going to get mine back. The guards, the craftsmen, other, other people working in the, the priests, all kinds of people working in the Western valleys. But it says a huge amount about the state as was and how those loyalties are crumbling. The mm-hmm. king doesn't have control well, of the this is situation. The so-called wahim Mesut, right? The latter part is Ramses the Ninth, not yes, yet but Ramses the Eleventh. It does get to that point, but the wahim Mesut is not really closely connected with the Tomb robbery papyri. Most of them are earlier, yeah, and most of them are showing the the cracks have long been formed. But now, as as people are now getting ready to go in and re commodify this stuff, mm-hmm. you see competition among different factions of the state. And that's where it's the most interesting for me because I'm studying high level coffin reuse. Yeah. High level tomb recommodification. Who's doing it? They're never gonna write this shit down. Yeah. But the tomb robbery papyri show who doesn't trust whom, mm-hmm. who's blowing the whistle on whom, and how these things all might be working.
1: But you don't the guys who get caught violating sobek tomb. Yeah. Um weren't state affiliated these were or do you think maybe they were and then just who caught them was the guy that's on the other side
0: and is therefore I think it's a combination I think some people weren't state affiliated and were just doing things on their own I think other people were state affiliated and it's kind of like the guys who murdered Khashoggi in the Turkish embassy and then cut him apart with their bone saws And then were arrested by Mohammed bin Salman, who said, oh, these guys did the murder and we will now punish them. it wasn't me. It it wasn't me. I didn't do it. And you know that some of these guys are sacrificial lambs for the people at the top who are like, oh, I would never. Mm -hmm. And these guys are all doing horrible things. Someone has to take the fall. Because there's Daryl Medina craftsmen involved there. We know from later texts that the Daryl Medina craftsmen will become the key arbiters between the people at the top mm-hmm. and what is actually in the valley and the personnel who are there within the valley. Yeah. They're marking things, they're putting graffiti on different parts of yes, different tombs yeah. saying, we check yeah. this, check this, check this. And, and there's even that late Ramessid letter to, we think, Piank written by, uh, Mose? I think it's Jehuti Moza. I'm not sure if it's his son, or yeah. and I should know this uh, that say, that says we have done what you said. We have found a tomb that is marked and we, we have not, it, we will keep it this it way. We will not disturb the yep. seal. We will wait for you to get back. Yep. So that's, that's uh, high level state people, generals, um, yeah. high priests coming in and, and taking things as their own, but that's, that's later in the late Ramesses yeah. letters. So this is a, so to me, whenever I read the tomb robbery papyri,
1: th- what was going on there was different yeah. than what we see later. But now you posing it as like a sacrificial lamb type of the person who maybe actually was paying those guys to do that. And then they happen to get caught and now has to wash his hands of them and say, I had no involvement. Yes, I, they must die. And
0: I just reread them again carefully for the book. And I'm, and I was like, how interesting that because why write it down like this why write it down like this why bring all these people in it's more about the leaders of state looking askance at each other giving each other side eye and trying to figure out who's with whom yeah like who's doing this and they'll mark a guy and they'll be like you you did something bad and they'll say who did he work for he Mm -hmm. is and they'll list his patron as something affiliated with the almond priesthood And again and again, the Almond priesthood, the the Western mayor has already been fingered by the Eastern Mm -hmm. mayor, but the Almond priesthood keeps coming up again, all their people, all their personnel. And the Almond priesthood is like, we would never, what are you saying? I don't know who these guys are. Never seen them in our life. Never. And this guy is doing that on his own volition or whatever. But, but it's interesting that the vizier and the butlers, they're, they're there to say they work for the high priesthood of Almond. They work for the high priesthood of Amun. It, it's it's so interesting to see how they're trying to obliquely mark their competitors mm-hmm. against each other. You can see the same kind of thing in the the Chirin Ju- judicial papyrus, the harem conspiracy yeah. papyri, and who's working for whom, in more of a north-south kind of yeah. um, distinction. But the two Marbury papyri are very north-south. These are northern kings mm-hmm. buried in a mm-hmm. southern mm-hmm. region in in which they have few loyalty loyal yeah so people, people are like left. who cares yeah to their tomb so they go down there and they're like what is happening down here it's it's no surprise that Ramses the while he may have begun a tomb in the Valley of the Kings Doesn't was not one. was yeah. not buried yeah. there. there's no yeah. evidence that he was buried there I wouldn't be it's buried true. there
1: it's like the Wild West
0: yeah <laughs> yeah and then and then the other cool thing about the tomb robbery and this isn't the papyri as much. Um, or at all, but that you see these objects that are taken out of the Valley of the Kings, like one of the sarcophagi of Merneptah mm-hmm. in Tanis. It ends up, yeah. it ends up in Tanis. So all these the are diplomatic. The it's a diplomatic gift. Yeah, it's like, hey, you guys, we have some gold. We have some sarcophagi. What do you want? We have all this stuff. Yeah. We want to work with you. We want to. Maybe. We don't want to fight anymore. Bring it to a, some workshop, and they have it ready to be reused. They yeah. didn't do too much to it. No, just p- took out a few names and put in a few mm-hmm. new names for Pan- um, um not Pinetum, for um, and the first, also known as Susenis, yeah, the first, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah those
1: papyri are great. We'll link a translation um, in our show notes if you want to read them. They're they're so fun, so fun, really great. The interrogation is great, right? How they well for us being super in the weeds, whenever we talk about them, it's like, where is Sobek Emsof's tomb, right? Because people try to use these to then reconstruct where these tombs would have been, been or are still are in Dra'a What tombs are they talking about, right? We have a bunch of tombs that maybe are them. And... Can can I
0: say something really yeah. important? Uh, what else was in Dra'a Who was claiming Dra'a Naga in the 20th dynasty? Matu um, Emhah? No, that's later that's 20 that's 25th 26th yeah. the high priesthood of Amun. well like yeah so Ramses Nacht. yeah and that generation of high priests was building this is daniel Poltz's work yes and all of those big pyramid tombs and k19 i don't remember the names of the tombs yeah the numbers of the tombs but th- there are these massive tombs of Amenhotep and Nacht that are at Drabul Naga yeah. that may be claiming mm-hmm. 17th dynasty tomb spaces and taking them for themselves. And it is quite possible because of the date of, of those high priesthood of Amen tombs that after the tomb robbery papyri it gives them the, the excuse to be able to say, okay, we have put it to rights. We have corrected these tombs. Everything is fine. And now this is where our tombs are going to go. And they build massive tombs there. Massive. Are they open to the public? No. No, I think there's no they're still digging there. I don't think these things are open to the public. And all of most of Daniel Poltz's work is published in M D A I K Mitteilung der Deutschen Archäologischen Abteilung Cairo. And and you much better as MDAIK. MDAIK. (laughs) And you see you work through all of those those articles and there's a a massive amount published and and, and there's other monographs and other volumes published, but the fact that the high priesthood of Amun claimed this space mm-hmm. probably meant that they benefited from I it. Think of it yeah. the most. It's true. It's like somebody I that there were tombs over there. It's, it's like late. somebody squatting in your house, mm-hmm. and then they keep it. They squat in that necropolis. They yeah, take all of the like nice stuff, and then they benefit from the physical and geographic connection of, of those kings, claiming to have protected them. Yeah, but then so the tomb robbery
1: papyrus were post these tombs pre with Ramses
0: eleven Amenhotep and Ramses Nacht are is they're probably after the tomb robbery papyrus. Okay, so that would make sense then if there was increased activity in the in the region. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah. but, what, but but another thing is that the two Marbury papyri show how big the institution of the Amun Temple has gotten. It's a massive behemoth of an institution with so many personnel Mm -hmm. that it can't really be controlled. And it seems like part of the investigation by the butlers, the vizier, and these mayors, or one mayor in particular, is to come in and say, who's in control of all of this? Who's watching over your guys? What's the oversight? I need to step in. Exactly. And, and also why am I not benefiting from all of this stuff that I see that you Mm -hmm. guys are benefiting from? And the Tumabri papyri to me is evidence that things are being re-commodified fine, but it's also evidence of, of, uh, attempts to clamp down on things that are going around previously established yeah. 19th dynasty style systems. Might be a bad analogy, but it
1: kind of reminds me of the like Hitler's like brew house of like creating a false problem.
0: You don't even then, need to go there, Jordan. You, know, you could just go to January sixth. Yeah. And talk about the storming of the Capitol and say it's been normalized as something that patriots might do. But then who actually made the orders, who actually, you know, there is an investigation trying to Mm -hmm. figure out who did what. And by the time this podcast airs, hopefully we'll know more. But will anybody take accountability for this. Mm -hmm. We all, you just rolled your eyes. Why did you roll your eyes? I guarantee as they were investigating these tomb robbery papyri, people were rolling their eyes right and left. They knew it wouldn't change anything. They knew it wouldn't change shit because the rich people who are, who are strongest and are able to control more of the personnel and are better patrons are going to be able to take with impunity. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. It's just a, like a show of Like, oh, we're supposed to do an investigation, but is it going to do anything actually? No. Yeah. People are tired of hearing about it. No one will care. Yeah. You know? And the normal people, why why would they care if the king's tomb gets looted? And you need a couple of fall guys. You need to show. Yeah, you'll you'll put some people in jail Mm -hmm. for a couple years. Look, we did it. We did our
0: job. Done. Yeah yeah it's the same with our war on drugs Wash you our take hands all with. of the heroin dealers you put them in jail but no one Fix. from the Sackler family will ever go yeah. to jail when mm-hmm. they're the ones that created the heroin users in the first place yeah. but it doesn't really matter we yeah. don't we don't go after those exactly. kinds of people yeah.
1: now I want to talk about royal caches mm-hmm. so we have a couple caches uh, we have db320 mm-hmm. and we have kb35 and like some
0: people maybe consider kb55 KV fifty five is, is earlier. It's yeah. a cash ish place, yeah. But it's probably not a late bronze created. Yes, cache. Yeah, it's a diff- under different circumstances. Mm-hmm. So KV fifty five is probably around the same time Tutankhamun mm-hmm. was closed up. This we have, would like, have been closed tea up
1: stuff in there. Yeah, we have whoever that body is of Akhenaten slash Smenkhkare.
0: You know, I don't try to do these. Things. Yes,
1: whoever that is, that's all of, like the kind of post Amarna seems people were shoved in there Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so maybe yeah while Tats was but then okay so kb35 is an interesting cache um and so my main question is what's the differences why kb35 versus db320
0: who was chosen
1: for who and why
0: it's fun i it's like if i were going to write a monograph about kb35 i would call it The ones who are left behind. Yeah. So we have,
1: so I'll I'll read out their names. So maybe we should take a step back and do a little historical background of the time period when these caches are occurring and stuff. Right, yeah. um, To give people an idea of, you know, when they're happening, what caches are, what's going on here, who's doing the caching,
0: well, we were just talking about the two Marbury papyri who are Ramses IX, Ramses the 11th. So then we get the Mesu period, the repeating of births. Mm-hmm. We get the high priesthood of Herihor or Pionk, then Harihor. Yeah. And, and then you get the 21st dynasty. And the 21st dynasty, you see a division of Egypt into at least two parts, mm-hmm. a king up in Tanis and a priest king. Uh, down in Thebes and they're often related um, by family connection from one part to the next and throughout the 21st dynasty the commodification of the valley of the kings was happening in earnest you don't just clear a tomb in a short period of time. It takes a long time Mm -hmm. to clear these spaces. And you probably don't want to do it all at once. Just like you were saying, De Beers holding back the diamonds. You probably don't want to flood the market with a whole shit ton of gold. You don't want everyone to know how much you've actually got. So Mm -hmm. you, you release a little bit of a time at a time as needed for mercenaries for this, for payments to a diplomat in a diplomatic exchange for that. So you're, you're using it as cleverly as you, as you can but the caches were created, KV-35 is really those who are left behind, so it's created That's, over a long period yeah, of time. Yeah, but so it's,
1: they're going through systematically, Yeah,
0: going through all the
1: tombs in the valley that they know of. uncommon accepted, So right? his was buried under a bunch of stuff by mm-hmm. that time, and from floods and all this stuff, so they didn't know it was there. They're going through the ones that are maybe still, st- at that time, unlooted. Which is probably most of them. Which is crazy to think about. It's probably most um, of them. Going through, re-commodifying the goods. And they're bringing them to certain processing centers. Them to Forum Heb's tomb or something like this. And then even Medina Habu
0: and yeah. even potentially to Karnak they're to process. They're stripping the
1: bodies. yeah, Taking all the stuff off. Re-wrapping them. Yeah. And we have... You know, new um, dockets. docket's placed on them, yeah. stuff on the linen, and they'll write like when these
0: people on this day or buried under the, the king. blah blah, blah, blah. Exactly. exactly, put into not their proper coffin, not, it not their original. Seem hardly kind of ever do randomly they randomly they get to randomly placed into a coffin. They'll be put into a coffin that's been re-inscribed for them and even redecorated for them. Sometimes a ureus added, sometimes yeah. not. Sometimes they're put in really shitty coffins, seemingly kind of haphazard, mixed yeah. up. There's no one's like oh
1: well. Make sure A2 ends up in his original A2 coffin. A2 is one of the only ones who does. <laughs> I said and that, and so then funny. I was like, "That's the only
0: one that's actually it's, not." on, yeah. Un- yeah. Well, the cartonnage we don't really know, but if it is his cartonnage, yeah. he's at least in his sarcophagus yeah. in his Kings Valley he's the thirty-five one that was too. unwrapped, too. Right? I don't I know about. So. I don't know. Um, I don't think he's on. Un- oh, unwrapped. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Not yeah, they unwrapped. Didn't, by they us. left
1: him in KV. Yes. like he was left in KV thirty-five. Yeah, perfectly. No one yes. mess with him.
0: And um, the other thing to remember is these caches, or at least Bahri 320, was created over multiple generations, yes. like at least 100 years. And you can see the different kind of depositional layers of who's furthest in the back was
1: obviously put in there first. Yeah. And then how people were added into the tomb. Um,
0: so Bahri 320, mm-hmm. or TT 320, Theban Tomb 320, yes. was closed up at the beginning of Dynasty 22. And the caching probably started in earnest in Dynasty 22. And they're moving all of these coffins with bodies inside, probably with the an exclusive audience to know who was there. But they're putting it in a very secret place that's up in the cliffside uh, to the left of the Hatshepsut Temple of Millions of Years. And they put them in there. One king, one coffin. You don't get any nesting coffin sets yep. anymore. You put them all away in there. And you can see that they've been... They've been violated, if that's the right word, or mm-hmm. re multiple times. Yep. And one of my favorite examples of this is the Coffin of Tutmosis III, yes. which I've just been presenting yeah. on. And you may have questions about this in more detail. But the Coffin of Tutmosis III was opened and closed at least twice and maybe more. And you can see this from mortise and tenon joints that are sawn through. Broken, yeah. And then parts of the coffin are stripped away. Mm-hmm. And then a new mortise is sunk a little bit over because they've removed too much thickness yeah. of the coffin. They saw through that later on. And then another mortise and tenon is sunk. Mm-hmm. And then that gets to stay intact so in my, the tomb. So
1: my question actually from your RC presentation yeah. was, I think your definitions of reuse yeah versus recommodification. Yeah. And so obviously this coffin was being reclosed and reopened and reclosed and reopened, but you don't consider it to be reused or recommodified?
0: I don't know. Because I don't know if this coffin was originally made for Tutmus the Third. Mm-hmm. The interior inscription so indicates that it's for tutmas the Third. But why would they be opening and closing it, opening, and closing it? yeah okay so so i, I it's I, the opening you know. and closing of thomas the third's coffin is the creation of the theban tomb 320 cache mm-hmm. it's all part of the of the same set of actions but the the coffin of of the III may not have originally been the coffin of the III. Yes. I can't he prove that. He ends up in it. He ends up in this coffin and this coffin is inscribed for him, yeah. but it's inscribed for him within the 21st dynasty yeah. and it may not originally have been made for him. It's, in my opinion, stylistically, an 18th yes. dynasty original coffin. If you can look at it. If you look at it, clear. the style yes. and all these things, the it's wood. It's not, and, a yes. not that I T3.
1: Mean? yeah,
0: But it's not It's. It could have been an A two coffin. It could have Mm -hmm. been an Amenhotep the third coffin. I I don't know, and we only have the inscription of Tutmosis the third to tell us. But that inscription was added in the twenty first dynasty, and you can prove that by the stratigraphy of the coffin. And I double checked this with another coffin expert after the RC talk that Mm -hmm. I gave in Irvine of this year, twenty twenty two, and she agrees that this coffin interior inscription cannot date to the reign of Third. III yeah. because of the amount of openings and closings so was and the amount of stripping of the just inside. Just placed
1: it at the end.
0: He was the last occupant, the final occupant. Where for he, he could have had that coffin the whole time. Maybe maybe that coffin was the III's second coffin uh, and it was with him when they originally pulled him out of his valley of the king's tomb and then they just re-commodified it and reworked it and re-commodified it and reworked it. So you're asking why is it open uh, and closed multiple times? Okay. Yes. So the opening and closing multiple times in my opinion. They were opinion, changing
1: it to reflect the style of whatever time or something maybe. Yes,
0: they wanted to show their piety. Yeah. And they wanted to connect themselves with the royal ancestor of Tutmose the 3rd. These high priests of Amun had learned probably from the debacle of the tomb robbery papyri investigations, Mm -hmm. they had learned to cloak all of their actions with religiosity and piety. And their tombs being in that place of violation by their own agents, that drawable Naga shows how crafty and clever they were, such that the coffin of Thutmuz III, when they pull it out of his original tomb and peel off all of that thick gold sheeting that would have been adhered to it, like we see on mm-hmm. the, the outer two coffins of Tutankhamun, yep. they wanted to reveal to the people of Thebes that they were not base thieves, that they were good and pious mm-hmm. priestly men who were treating the kings with respect. So they weren't doing this like sneakily behind the scenes or something. I mean, Maybe. they were doing Name. everything sneakily yes. behind the scenes. But, but they but, wanted to appear yes. as if that's not what was going on. So what I suggest happened is that they probably regilded this coffin twice. Hmm. Or to show it, and then behind the scenes, they would have stripped it again? These things happen over generations. Yeah. So the Someone- decisions of one generation is not necessarily going to be the decision of the second generation, or the third, or the fourth. Mm-hmm. So they take that coffin of the III out of his tomb, they pull off the thick gold sheeting, then they're like, oh my god, everyone's going to know what we did. And some brilliant priest, maybe the high priest, goes, we re it. We gild it with a really, we have enough gold. Look at all the gold we have, he tells everyone. Yeah. Take a thin gold sheet, put it on there, gild it. And they gild that piece and then they show it to the other priests. Remember, there's internal competition yeah, 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 too. Yeah. So the, the high priesthood as a group is all internally, like, what have you got? What have you got? What have you got? And if there's a small set, of exclusive priests that are pulling the gold sheeting off and then they reveal to everyone that they have this coffin but look it's still got gold on it yeah everything's fine everyone's like "Ooh, that's so pretty and then maybe they put it in Medina. habu then okay. maybe they enter it so in some place there you're
1: imagining that this is happening post him being removed from his, his original tomb
0: yes pre being put into db320 yes okay there were two there was maybe opening closings between yeah. his removal from his tomb mm-hmm. i think it's kv38 in the valley of the kings and his interment in tt320 yeah okay and so the first one i don't really know i just know that there was a final gilding almost certainly done by the high priesthood of Amen, because these are the agents that we're dealing mm-hmm. with and That was, this, this gilding was probably after another gilding had already been removed. And because there's those two saw marks in the mortise and tenons, not one set, but two. Yeah. And... Then they gilded it again, and it's another generation saying, look what we did to this wonderful king, Mm -hmm. Thomas III. Our children are named after him. We're connected to him. They put his image on the bottom of their own coffins. They put his image on the side of their coffins. He's their patron saint in a way. Mm -hmm. And then they put him in the beginning of the 22nd dynasty when the high priesthood of Amun is officially broken by Orsar Khan II of mm-hmm. the north, of Tanis, And he puts his son in charge. And he's like, I'm done with you, high priest. You guys don't get to run Thebes the way that you have. I'm in charge yep. now. That's when whoever makes this decision, either the high priests who were there before or the Orsir Khan, the second high priest, they're like, we're done with these coffins. We're getting rid of the 3rd We're going to get rid of all of these other nice kings. We're going to put them in the tomb. We're going to put them in the tomb with the high priests themselves. Yeah. They're the ones that want mm-hmm. them and claim them. They and they're in the back. And they're in there. So they put the I, the II, yep. Masaharta's in mm-hmm. there, Henatawi's in there, Nojmed is in there. All of these people are in there. And then when they do that, those yeah. 22nd dynasty guys do a final, very rough hacking to get even that last little mm-hmm. bit of gilding that's on the and coffin. Then and they go over to third and they just hack down the yeah. length of him. They do the same to Nojmet and Hanatawi, okay. very roughly. And that's how those things get put in the cash. And once all of, I mean, the the community of haves, people with with wealth and influence would have seen and known that everything fungible had been taken away. Yeah. They they did their it's best. Like, all right. <laughs> and everything non-commodifiable, but like being connected to that royal ancestor Thomas the 3rd, mm-hmm. they didn't really want it anymore. It was mm-hmm. kind of tainted. It was yeah. associated with an exclusive Theban influence that probably a lot of the Thebans were pissed off at. Yeah. So it was probably so easy for Orsar Khan II to break the Theban high priesthood like, because the other Thebans were like, over. fuck those dudes. They take all our shit. Yeah. And we're sick of it. So it was probably easy for them to come down with a kind of populism mm-hmm. and say, you hate these guys. And was like, yeah, we hate them. So Us they put all their shit yeah. in, the, in the cliffside tomb, had decommodified everything. And that's why we didn't, we, no one tried to get in there again until like the late 19th century mm-hmm. because no one wanted anything. Yeah. It wasn't worth anything. Yeah. But just it's just crazy
1: the who's who of is in he- that's in here right yeah 17th dynasty people Akmos the first mm-hmm. um, Amenhotep the first mm-hmm. T- Tutmosis the first Tutmosis the second Tutmosis the third Ramses the first Seti the first Ramses the second Ramses the third Ramses the s- ninth Nodjemet Masaharta, masaharta, II, the second you know Nessikonsu, just on and on and on and on.
0: It's such an interesting confluence of high priests, but God's you know, w- wives of Amun. Yeah. Uh, chantresses of Amun. Yeah. So those twenty queens. first dynasty people. And then all of the seventeenth and eighteenth dynasty personages. Which Ahmed f- Nefertari. Presumably would have come from Dawood Naga. Yes. So Yes. Indeed. And it's their family before them that built their tombs in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Amenhotep and Ramses.
1: And Mont. maybe whoever used this tomb previously too yes some maybe. people think it's teddy sherry's whatever in happy
0: in early 18th dynasty early percentage. 18th dynasty right. woman yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: maybe yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's just crazy it's in a way it's like glad they did this because we have all of it things that probably would have been you know from old kingdom middle kingdom we have we have no one's coffins we have no one's remains preserved for us but because someone went and did this, we have all the heavy
0: hitters of the New Kingdom. And because there was enough yeah. belief in the power of these bodies yeah. that even the Orsakhan, the second guys were like, just put them away. Yeah, just close <laughs> it up. We look at, we're doing it with sanctity. And their mm-hmm. populism demanded that they do this. And they're like, look, everyone, we're doing this right. And everyone's like, Yep, yeah, we're good. We're moving on to new things. And they yeah. do move on to new things. And then who do they leave behind?
1: Well, So that's my question of KV-35 so is the cool. ones who got left behind. Yeah. And so do you have, or I mean, with the dockets and stuff, are we able to account for, like, is this happening concurrently with DB320 or does KV35 happen after?
0: KV35 probably probably was a processing center throughout the whole yeah. show. All of these activities happening in the Valley of the Kings for a Kv-35 seems to have been an important place mm-hmm. for those things to happen and a collecting spot. And so the guys that were left behind, is KV-35 a cache?
1: Because it's T4, I don't know. 3 Merneptah, Sadie the Second, Sipta, Ramses 4, 5, 6, Queen T. Maybe. Maybe. And then these younger ladies people who maybe is it well maybe by DNA is the D, the mother of King Tut yep. whoever that is yeah maybe and some other younger lady some other yeah Tawazret, unknown woman D who was in the coffin of Setnakht
0: so we're talking about the people who were associated with the Amarna Amarna people and then like late mm mm-hmm. mhm and like and late 19th dynasty too because you have yeah, Seti the 2nd yes, in there true. and, and is in there and Tawazret, well. maybe yeah, yeah. exactly
1: yeah, so it's like the people who were
0: excess civil part war, of the,
1: problems. The like icky period that no one wants to mm-hmm. connect themselves to. Like people want to be connected to T three. Except poor Amenhotep the second. People it's want to be connected there. to George
0: Washington. They don't want to be a part of like Polk. Yeah. <laughs> or Zachary Taylor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So you yeah, know Zachary it's, Taylor's it's, like your Ramses the fourth. I don't know. It's just sad that A three gets a3 is too tainted by Akhenaten, too, yeah. in my opinion. There's no way he can be included in that. Yeah. He's remembered for that. He really is.
1: Mm. I Whereas guess T4 too. It, kind of it even
0: resuscitates Ma- Matka Ra, Hatshepsut's mm-hmm. throne name. And many personages are named Matka Ra in the 21st yeah. dynasty from the high priesthood They're of Amun. Back
1: to the, the height, the height
0: of the... The pure time, the clean time. Of the new
1: kingdom, not...
0: The innocence, yeah. not the decadence. hmm this was, and, and it's so cool that Ramses the Ninth somehow made it into Hero three twenty because that means that he's like a Theban good guy. He's connected with some sort of new start. Mm-hmm. Was he fighting against Ramses the Eleventh in some way for Thebes? That that's what it seems to yeah. imply, his placement in that in that tomb. It's all all the warrior pharaohs too that get
1: you know, Akmos, T New beginnings, these kind of very strong strong men. Um, Pharaoh's Ramses the third Ramses the second. With all these very, the ones that would have. Yeah. Military exploits yeah. linked to them. And Ramses the first, I the first. Yeah. It's very interesting. I love the caches.
0: Super cool. It's so much information. Mm-hmm. And then it's so interesting that when the Abdul Rasuls mm-hmm. find the TT321, that, they're starting to pull out things because those objects which had not been commodifiable become valuable because now there's this this?" (laughs) there's this rediscovery of egypt so papyri are valuable Mm -hmm. and canopic jars are valuable or all of these other things. things yeah yeah
1: yeah and they're like wait all these like choice pieces are showing up on the market what's going on here
0: and it gives you an idea of what would have happened with the tomb robbery papyri of Ramses nine, right? Mm-hmm. People are like, wait, where'd you get that? Where'd this gold come from? What the hell? Yeah. People get suspicious fast. Yep. Like, like, um, I, I had gotten money out from the bank and Julian wanted to go, this is my son, wanted to go buy some food. I let him walk around the neighborhood. I only had a hundred dollar bill. I'm like, I can't give a 12 year old a hundred dollar bill. they are going to be like, you stole this. Exactly. Yeah. Or something. I, I just can't give you, I, I can't give him a hundred dollar bill. I also don't want you to have that. So someone doesn't like rob you. It's like giving them a gold
1: nugget. carrying cash around. Yeah. Like whenever I go to the ATM, I'm always like checking who's around me. I always like, try to, to have me. my
0: $20 mugger money.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I just like to use card. Because I'm like, you steal it. I'll just cancel the card. Like, yeah. no big deal. Like, it's not something that
0: is untraceable then. But me having a $100 bill, that's yeah, one thing. no one's going to think anything. But weird. Julian having a $100 yes. bill, we got trouble. Yeah. Because so. he's he's a 12-year-old boy.
1: Shouldn't have. <laughs> it's sus if a 12-year-old has a $100 bill. <laughs> Even a $50 bill, you'd be like, where'd you get that? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to have that. Yeah. Um, so these tombs... We think about them as being more involved in state state-sanctioned looting, mm-hmm. right? The the state, the people who are involved in in charge in Thebes, is okaying people going into these tombs, stripping things off, selling tomb goods, recommodifying things, reusing coffins, all this stuff. Um, versus maybe how we think
0: of tomb robbery. Oh yeah. In a way. Yeah. And you, you might even think of it as, instead of state, though I do use that Not word state, in the book. but like... I do, I, know, know, I do. Like y- you whoever's could, in
1: charge sanctioned. Institutional. Yeah.
0: Institutional the, looting. The
1: priesthood is okay with it. Mm-hmm. The people who were ruling thieves at the time are okay with it, are the ones doing it. Yeah. Um, so they're the ones in charge of the people who would, the police or whoever would get you in trouble. Yeah. So then there is no trouble because yeah. they're telling everyone it's
0: okay. And it's the same with institutions today. So you know that there are pieces that have been stolen from certain countries or mm-hmm. taken out in nefarious, under nefarious circumstances, antiquities, objects, things that states at a time colonizing another place may have taken, but an institution who owns them. Be it the British Museum or the Met or who, mm-hmm. or whoever, they then have their institutional protection to say, no, no, we are protecting it. We are safeguarding it. We did it, it the like
1: right way. And we
0: followed legal, legal yep. saying, you know, ways and means. Yep. So this is not a problem.
1: This was part of partage it came yeah. to us legally, so it's okay then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So yeah. the these things are all still followed today. Again, as I say in the Good Kings, we have the same system, yep. very much the same system.
1: So all the coffins that end up in DB320. And did you end up looking, did you look at KB35 too? As
0: many as I could. As and as I, could. I didn't get to look at everything from everywhere. Like the cartonnage of Amenhotep the second, I did not get to see. Um, and I also didn't get to see the nesting set of Nojmet. So there, there are some holes in there, but a, most a, of them. A couple I'm, piece like
1: nothing. Most yeah. of them. So you have yeah. most of them. So how yeah. are you how do you see these fitting into this, I guess, these pieces, these coffins being exemplary of the time? Um, To me, it's just so weird that they took all the coffins out, they took all the people out, um, stripped them of gold if they had it, but a lot of them, you know, maybe had only a little bit of gold, some of them are just painted um, plaster work or something like this, and then stuck bodies randomly into the coffins, resealed them, put them back away, and didn't I mean, I guess I'm just like, why,
0: why? It is but because they have to show their innocence. Okay. They must display it to each other. It's almost like proving it to yourself okay. too. You have to show your piety. You have to show that you're doing the right and moral thing rather than just burning them on a hilltop yeah. somewhere. You can't do that. I get that.
1: why they'd want to be with the ancestors or something. But to me, it's like, why not put them back in the coffin
0: in which they were, they were found in ah now I love that question okay now think of it's what like, coffins we well, actually I, the best coffins are 17th 18th dynasty yeah coffins like and some of them aren't even royal like Amenhotep yeah. the first or but you know Thomas the thirds is a nice royal piece originally royal mm-hmm. he only gets one of them so you only get one coffin when you're reburied yeah. you don't get your triple nesting yes. set if Tutankhamun was buried with a solid gold inner coffin Maybe we should assume that Totemus III also was buried in a mm. solid gold inner coffin. Yeah. And maybe that inner coffin, I mean, they're not going to put him in there. They're not going to keep yeah. that. They're only going to keep the pieces that are made of wood that will cost them less to leave. This innocence that they are displaying to their community, whether exclusively or, or in a more open public manner, and I think it was more exclusive, yeah. they're, they're, they, it is, there is still a cost Every one of these objects could still be commodified. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the objects that these kings are buried in are fugly as hell and are not very nice. But then the other cool thing is we only have 17th and 18th dynasty coffins surviving that were made for kings. There are none of the 19th and 20th dynasties, which means to me that the 19th and 20th dynasty royal coffins were more gold than not Mm. or more silver than not. Can I prove it? No, well, just but there are none in there. Presents, yeah. There's none in there. Who's Panegium's coffin? Who are the? Toma's the first. Toma's the first had himself buried in a triple nesting set that used at least one and maybe two of Toma's the first reused probable cedar. So that's coffins. cool too. So but cool. he got to pick which one he wanted to use. So cool. I am still, and I'm going to say this on the podcast. I am still mega confused about the style of Tumas... sorry about the style of Panegum the First and Panegum the Second's coffin mm-hmm. sets. So confused that I am not sure that we don't have the coffin sets of Panegum the First and Second mixed up. Ah. Because the set of Panegum the Second is an old fashioned style. Yeah. It doesn't look late 21st dynasty yeah. or early 22nd. It doesn't look like that at all. It looks Early twenty first. Mm-hmm. It, it's a super early style. I don't understand why this is Panecham the second's, whereas Panecham's the first coffin buried in the coffin of Tutmosis the first. That's replastered and repainted, mm-hmm. paint, plastering over yeah. the Tutmosis the first decoration. Could he be Panecham the second? And I oh. haven't been able to solve this, mm. but the decoration is is it, it looks almost. Um, like, it's from the same time. But something's wrong with Panaj in the Second's Coffin. There is such a thing as archaizing, trying to yeah. make it look like you're burying with an older style or decorating with an older style. But this is kind of crazy. Hmm. It's And it's too on point yeah. for an earlier style. I don't know quite what That's to make of it. That's really cool. I really don't know what to make of it. Yeah, Like, dissertations could be written about this. Hmm. I, I'm putting it in the book, but I don't know. I and don't they're labeling know them that to, way just because of the inscriptions that are and assumptions about what titles a king gets so okay. he's general at this point and he's not gotcha, general gotcha. at another point point. Yeah. and what titles are included so this has got to be in the first and this has got to be in the second but it's also like what Darius says what kitchen says and when these things stick people are like oh this is definitely the way it is mm-hmm. and switching those long established conventions is very difficult yeah and then you get somebody who does coffin dating and they're like, wait a minute, this doesn't like, work isn't at working. all. This isn't
1: right. But then with everything being so mixed and you can't go off just
0: but by... But they're not mixing as much the 21st dynasty material. Okay. There so the is-
1: 21st dynasty people are in 21st dynasty stuff.
0: Yes. For and for the they're in triple nested stuff okay. for the most part. There is... Some Let's, name reuse of the females. Like okay. Nessie Kansu is reusing Isidem Kheb's yeah. coffin set. Yeah. And she's the second wife of Panegum the second. So I think Panegum the oh, second. Or first. Shit. Um, Too many people. I know. But um but there is a reuse going on mm-hmm. but there is a triple nesting. She's so. wife of P two. Okay, Panegum the second. Okay. Yeah. You were right. Um I should never <laughs> uh, you know, we should always doubt ourselves. We should always second guess. It's complicated it's very history. complicated. Super complicated. Yeah. But these high priests, they wanted to be associated with these particular ancestor mm-hmm. kings: Amenhotep the first, Amenhotep the second, Tutmos the third. They did not want to be associated with the Amarna kings no, or those dudes <laughs> at the end of the nineteenth <laughs> dynasty. They're like just. And they weren't. And they weren't. They got what they they got what they wanted. It's almost like maybe this takeover by the high priesthood of Orser Khan II, this new high priesthood, was like trying to please with their populism, as I am arguing, was trying to please the priests, the lower level priests. Mm of this institution. Mm-hmm. You can't go into, when you do a takeover of a company, you know, you want to please the people who are working there, win hearts and minds yeah. so they keep doing work so that your stock price doesn't yep. go down and all of those things. So if you're going to take over the Theban temple of Amun-Re, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that most of your priests are happy. Yeah, you and- fire some fire those top guys that everyone's like, we replace, hate them. And then keep the rest. Yeah. But you're like, but look, we're going to bury them all together mm-hmm. with the guys that They're you happy, love here. Yeah. We're not going to touch them where everything's going to be fine. And it seems from the Grefa and Belova excavations mm-hmm. that most of the hacking, the final hacking, the really rough, violent hacking yeah. of the III was done in the tomb. It's crazy. Out of sight, out of mind. Like, like, like they show it look at he's all gilded. everything's great okay it's like and then then they like take all this stuff themselves it's crazy so cool it's just normal human behavior normal human reactions normal power struggles Mm -hmm. normal competition it's it's wonderful
1: I think I always liked the stuff too because there's so much little hints of information like a graffiti here a graffito here Mm -hmm. you know little thing here or there on tombs yeah you know saying so-and-so is here checked yeah um this we have the little dockets on the mummies yeah. too and it's you know to piece together all this information that doesn't quite square oh and think about rob demaray yes. rob demaray
0: sits in on our, our classes a lot think of what he was saying in the last class that jehuti moza and his son butek mm-hmm. Amen became super important oh, yeah facilitators fixers of all kinds of weird things yes. working with military preparations going to wadi uh, Hamamat to work on gold uh, mm-hmm. prospecting, lo- looking for, you know, working on all making kinds of- Remember Making people those disappear. Making people disappear. in the river. Yes. Yeah. And, and they're there as agents of the high priesthood, possibly acting against the vizier, the king, those butlers- um, all, all those other guys yeah. working with generals, generals are becoming high a priest, little shrine, I mean,
1: shrine house and
0: minute So craftsmen are becoming gold prospectors and, and priests are becoming generals. Kind of just like now, yeah. We're all
1: pivoting to weird careers that maybe you weren't initially
0: <laughs> trained to be in. And we'll have to be Renaissance people.
1: Yeah. But yeah, very much mix.
0: But the monopolies that had been maintained to keep order, Mm -hmm. law and order, right, to keep the status quo, those things have fallen apart. And what the 21st dynasty shows is that they were pretty quickly able, at least in Thebes in the south, to bring that status quo back. It may have been a new elite, an elite replacement of sorts, but with a lot of Libyan Mm -hmm. people brought into the mix. But they they were able to lock it down and get things to a steady state pretty quick
1: well and then the next tombs we have up in Tanis are inside a fortified temple structure area yeah. Yeah. much smaller much more i would say like
0: austere and if we
1: could check the chemicals themselves are beautiful silver
0: amazing things it's super thin if we could check chemical signatures for gold and silver i can guarantee Probably. you. It would have come from the valley, yeah. but there's no way to do it, yep. right? There's no way to no, it's just, make those connections. You can't tell how many times it's been. No. Nope. But that's cool. I love tomb robbery. Always a good... Wouldn't it be great if you could look at gold and say, this has been melted down 17 times. Mm-hmm. That would be useful for us. Yeah. But we can't. It's just gold. Arg. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing. Super malleable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, gold is great. Gold is great. Gold is... Great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, those are all my questions. Any final thoughts about tomb robbery that we didn't cover?
0: Um, There's always something, right? But it's fine. Um, You know, I'm working on the book now and we'll see what form it takes. It will be a very colorful book. It will be called Recycling for Death. It will be published with American University and Cairo Press and it will be published under my name, Kathleen M. Cooney, rather than Kara Cooney, because mm-hmm. I have an academic persona and then my pen name and so, or my, you know, what everyone calls me, <laughs> but it's um, it's very detailed work and yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for all the people who are helping me yeah. with it.
1: So if you're more interested in learning more about tomb robbery, check out the book whenever publish hopefully end of this year yeah and
0: pre-order in 2022 it, beginning of 2023 put in a pre-order you um, could. it's on their catalog yeah, i think so there you go we i have to give them a cover i think i have a cover image that Let's we've been working on. Put in a pre-order
1: mm-hmm. see see these see these coffins that we're referencing throughout this whole episode you can see them for yourselves um see their many instances of reuse i remember yeah. when we were in in cairo looking at them um whatever 2018 summer of 2018 it's just crazy that I'm just always amazed that no one else prior to your beginnings of the your your work ever th- thought anything of this. Yeah, and they that just people sat People can so easily just like ignore things in front of them.
0: Yeah. Because in a lot of cases it's it's so very obvious, and now they're a little too hot because they were just yes. in that parade, mm-hmm. and they've all been brought to Nemek I mean, yeah, i'm Glad Museum that you got of, to see them when you, yeah. when you got <laughs> got yeah, them. Yeah, now they're all in the National Museum of yeah. Egyptian Civilization. So never it's going to be again. hard to open modern cases. Is very difficult. Yeah, to open Victorian cases is super easy. Yeah. So I'm I'm very grateful to have been able to do that work, and I just have to make sure that it's published within my copyright yes. limitation. Yes, 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 yes so indeed. That's what we will do. This was fun. Thanks for all your questions.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: If we want to compare ourselves to the ancient Egyptians, which everyone always loves to do. Mm -hmm. And we always want to say if the ancient Egyptians were at point A, where are we? Well, I would point say <laughs> yeah, I would say that we're at the baroque point okay. of like a Ramses the fourth mm. making a, or or sixth Ramses sixth making a really nice tomb that in a really obvious place with a really big doorway that he thinks is never going to be opened and it's all decadent and over the top and baroque and he probably had solid gold coffins but it's there right at the at the tipping point of the whole game.
1: I think we're like a three
0: about to go into
1: some weird religious
0: (laughs) shit oh jordan no (laughs) you could be right amber's shaking her head quite forcefully so maybe we'll have a new tut coming around oh my god
1: and then we'll have a you know a re-restoration
0: no there are lots of people that want to impose religious law Mm -hmm. in this country and in others um you, you could be right. I don't know. Oh my goodness, that's so scary. Let's see what form our upheaval takes. I would say Because that- like Elon
1: Musk or something is like A3.
0: Oh my God. Or
1: like Bezos. Really rich, making big things. Going
0: into space. Going into
1: space. <laughs> making a giant more <laughs> temple. Touching the Aten. Yep.
0: Um, Starting
1: some things. I mean, Elon Musk has showed his true republican mm-hmm. within the past couple of days, so...
0: Yeah, even grabbing them by the pussy.
1: Yep. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, more <laughs> <But we're> pessimistic.
0: <laughs> um, it means that the big collapse isn't for. that yeah. we have some mini oh, collapses oh, oh, on the way. Oh, you're saying the late? Yeah, yeah. At least we're we're far from the late the Bronze late. collapse in your timeline. Maybe time I'm line. collapsing
1: the timeline down to both. <laughs> it's not like the Amarna. It's interlude. both the Amarna period and the late Bronze
0: Age collapse. The Amarna interlude sucked for <laughs> yeah. for most people, I have to imagine, and. I think globally we're more late Bronze Age collapse. Yeah. Maybe United
1: States politics. And climactically.
0: Yes. We're kind United of States
1: fucked. politics, I'm more seeing mm-hmm.
0: um, Akhenaten's interlude. I'm cool with that. So. Anyway, this has been super fun. (laughs) Yay.
1: (laughs) Ending on a light note.
0: Yeah. Of the end of the world. So don't
1: loot tombs. Don't get cursed by. Or if you do loot tombs. Do it. You know, just know why you're doing it. And it's all just stuff. As long as it's state sanctioned, you're good. Yeah. (laughs) Just be the one in charge.
0: Definitely be the one one in charge. And then no
1: one cares. Don't get
0: impaled. And choose a
1: nice coffin.
0: Yeah. Um, I would just dispense with coffins and fly below the radar, but that's yeah, that's I'm going to cool. do like
1: one of those like pods where you just like disintegrate into the earth, yeah, and then there's nothing to steal. there's nothing to loot unless you're one of those body snatchers from Victorian times when they wanted
0: to steal bodies to then use them for autopsies. There are always ways to resist Jordan, so we can resist in our deaths true, but we can always resist by. Shopping at our local farmers market, only buying what's in season, not buying processed shit. If you, if you have a disease that needs, means you have to go to some monopolized conglomerate corporate entity that's going to fuck you over, see what you can do to get around that. If somebody needs a, a wheelchair that's owned by one of those horrible monopolies, see what you can build yourselves. This is where we are right now. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to to go around yeah, these. Find, build new paths. Yeah, build new paths. Go around the yeah. monopolies. Do what you can. Yeah. Um, these things can happen. Cook with, with real food. I can't say whole foods anymore because they've even monopolized yeah, that phrase. Us. I know. Real food. <laughs> <laughs> real food, real real foods. Like I, I'll say to Julian, sometimes there's no food in your food, which is yeah, possible. real foods. So make your resistance uh, possible in all kinds of quotidian ways, and yeah, at
1: least take care of yourself. Yeah, that's all you can do.
0: And we'll and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time. This is
0: After Lives with Kara Cooney. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our listeners for your support and for subscribing wherever you listen. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with others and leave us a five-star review. Send us your questions related to the show and topic suggestions for future episodes to karakuni at gmail.com. You can find the show notes in the podcast section of my website, karakuniegyptologist.com. For that, thank you, Amber Myers-Wells. There, you'll also find info on my books and upcoming lectures. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to keep up on the latest news and content from me. Check out the conversations that happen after the podcast mic is turned off by subscribing to our Substack, After Lives After Party. You can find me on Facebook at Kara Cooney Egyptologist and on Twitter and Instagram at Kara Cooney. See you next time on After Lives with Kara Cooney.